0: Good evening, everyone. My name is Brian Colbert, and welcome to tonight's Transportation Authority of Marin Board of Commissioners meeting, September 28th. Um, I'd like to make an opening statement before we commence. Transportation Authority of Marin strongly denounces hate speech and does not tolerate disruptive behavior in our meetings. We pride ourselves on the rich diversity of our residents and are committed to creating a culture of belonging where members of our community feel included, safe, and respected. We ask for members of the public to refrain from making disrespectful and hateful remarks. Uh, Jennifer, do we have anyone participating remotely tonight? Uh,
1: we we do. Commissioner Farrakh is participating remotely under... Um, AB 2449.
0: Great. And so prior to roll call, I would like to make it clear for the record, and it should be reflected in the minutes, that Commissioner Fark is participating remotely under the Just Cause Clause of AB
2: 2449.
0: Press. Jennifer, could we have a roll call, please?
1: Commissioner Beckman? Here. Commissioner Blaustein? Commissioner Carmel? Absent. Commissioner Carroll? Here. Commissioner Colin Absent. Commissioner Cotrano? Present. Commissioner Farrakh? Here. Commissioner Fredericks? Here. Commissioner Chemnitzer? Here. Commissioner cool Here. Commissioner Malton Peters? Here. Commissioner Rice? Absent. Commissioner Rodoni? Present. Commissioner Sackett? Here. Vice Chair Lucan? Here. Chair Colbert?
0: Uh, certainly most present. Thank you, Jennifer. Do we have a quorum? You have a quorum. Excellent. I'd like to now move on to agenda item number one, uh, the chair's report.
1: Chair, may I just make a, one announcement? Yeah, please. Public announcements. Thank you. This meeting will be conducted as a hybrid meeting. A Zoom webinar link has been provided as well as accommodations for in-person attendance. There are a number of ways that the public may participate in today's discussion. For members of the public participating in person, the board chair will recognize persons from the audience who wish to address the board during public open time or on a particular agenda item at that time the item is considered by the board. Members of the public participating by Zoom may provide verbal comment on any item during the open time for that particular item by using the raised hand feature or dialing star nine and waiting to be called upon to provide your comment. Meeting-related comments may also be sent to info at tam.ca.gov and will be read when the specific agenda item is considered by the board and will become part of the public record. Please note that there is up to a two-minute limit per comment. Thank you.
0: Thank you Jennifer. Uh, Jennifer, it just came to my attention. I believe Commissioner Fark has to announce if there's anyone over the age of 18 in the room with her.
1: That is true.
3: There is not.
0: Thank you Commissioner Fark. All right, so we'll now move on to item number 1, the chair's report. I just have a few <coughs> brief items that I'd like to bring to the attention of the community and my fellow commissioners. First of all, Tam had its first Annual, well, I hope it's annual. Stop laughing, Derek. Uh, Clean Fleet Expo. And uh I just want to thank uh Commissioner Fredericks, uh, who was also there. It was a great event, uh highly informative. And kudos to the staff for making it happen. Uh Derek, Michaela, and Molly all did a really tremendous uh and great job. I myself test drove uh an e-bike, but due to licensing concerns, no one was allowed to test drive an electric motorcycle. Uh, I'm hoping that will uh, be able to happen in the future. Uh, This Wednesday is International Walk and Roll Day. So uh, I would encourage all our commissioners to go to a local school and join our school kids on their way to school. I'll be joining uh, one of the schools in the Ross Valley School District. I was invited and attended a tour on State Route 37. On the tour with me was Commissioner Lucan and staff member Molly Graham. It was highly informative. We started out in Vallejo, took a tour. It's a really complicated and interesting project. I thought it was really great to see the integration of the congestion and flood activities along with the environmental mitigation uh, mitigations uh, and improvements that are possible along the corridor. And I think those are my only chair report updates. We'll move on to item number two, and that is the MTC report from Commissioner Moulton-Peters.
4: Good evening, everyone. I attended yesterday's MTC meeting, and besides transportation, MTC is now in the housing business. So I will tell you more about that in just a moment. But I first want to start with acknowledging that our uh, Marin Transit General Manager, Nancy Whelan, has been appointed to represent the small transit agencies on MTC's Regional Network Management Council. This is a council of uh, transit operators, all the big ones that you know about, uh, who are coming together to continue the work on trans- uh, transit transformation. And that includes fair integration, Uh, transit priority services, uh, common signage and wayfinding, and paratransit, uh, one seat ride. All of this is to begin to integrate the services of 22 transit agencies that make up the Bay Area transit system. So we're very happy that Nancy represents us and the other small districts. Uh, At yesterday's uh, meeting, we did discuss a number of issues The future of the potential transportation measure, which may be considered in 2026 to um, address uh, transit funding shortfall that is anticipated by that year. Uh, We also discussed the new generation of Clipper, which you will be hearing about tonight, uh, the pay uh, system that will um, enable more users uh, as Clipper 2 comes out. And then uh, finally, as I mentioned, uh, MTC is getting into the housing business and we had a presentation, an update on the Bay Area Housing Financing Authority, which will be proposing a bond issue, we believe, next year. And so uh, meetings have been held in communities to begin to formulate the plans for that bond issue. Eighty percent of the funds that would uh, come from jurisdictions would go back to the jurisdictions where they originate. Twenty percent would stay with MTC uh, to be used for uh, special uses and targeted uh, needs. And more will be coming uh, to this board, uh, excuse me, to the MTC board in October on that. And that's my report.
0: Thank you very much. We'll now move on to the Marin Transit report from Commissioner Rice.
3: Yeah, thank you, and good evening, everyone. Um, so, the Marin Transit update is fairly brief, and it also is related to the next generation of Clipper. Marin Transit has to adapt to it as well, and that's actually a good thing. So, Marin Transit has uh, initiated a fair collection study, and um, we also in in addition to needing to address the next generation of Clipper and get ready for that, we have really outdated fareback boxes on all our buses. So there's going to be outreach uh, in a number of ways and one-on-one focus groups, et cetera. We'll be talking about the functionality um, that's needed from new from new fare boxes, how passenger counting will be done because data collection is so important towards informing service changes um, all the time and also um, what makes sense and what riders would most like to see with regards to fair preference, et cetera, et cetera. So the study is gonna be ongoing and recommendations and implementation should be completed by early 2024 in just in time for the rollout of the next generation of clipper, the
0: end. (laughs) Thank you very much. Now we turn to Commissioner Lucan for
5: the SMART report. Uh, thank you, Chair. Two updates from SMART. Uh, one, SMART was in the news again recently for securing another uh, $32 million grant in federal funds uh, that will get SMART that much closer uh, to Healdsburg, as well as some dollars in there for some aging freight uh, locomotives. Uh, this is really exciting news for SMART. Uh, and just in the past few years, uh, SMART has brought in north of $200 million in uh, local, regional, state, federal uh, grants, um, and continue to expand to Windsor and Healdsburg. Windsor is fully funded. Uh, Healdsburg, the total price tag is now just shy of maybe about $50 million. Uh, just three years ago, the big debate in Healdsburg was whether or not the train would ever get there. And now the big debate in Healdsburg is where to locate the station. Uh, so that's really positive momentum for SMART. And we were all really excited and thrilled uh, to receive news about that grant. Uh, and secondly, for those that think I only share good news about SMART, um, we did have to suspend our Starlighter service, which was that late night train. Um, uh, it did not perform quite as expected, um, but it's exciting as an agency that we are trying new things, being responsive to the community. And there is a possibility it could come back in the future as more of a seasonal uh, option as uh, demand picks up. So uh, all around good news.
0: Thank you. Would any commissioners care to bring forth any matters
4: not on tonight's agenda? All right. Oh, oh I want everyone's attention to today's uh, IJ editorial on the city of San Anselmo, pushing for slower speeds and uh, exploring speed cushions in their city to lower speeds. Hooray, San Anselmo.
0: Well, I was ready to give a cheer for San Anselmo. Hooray. <laughs> <laughs> so, in any case, Jennifer, I think we now need to turn to public comment. Any public comment on this item here in the chambers?
1: I don't see any public comments at this time.
0: Not open time. Not yet. Not yet. We'll make sure you don't miss it. Any any uh, public comment online for this item?
1: I don't see any public comments at this time, Chair.
0: All right. Thank you. We'll move on to item three, the executive director's report.
1: Okay, good
6: evening, everyone. Well, uh, I can see we've all been getting the same news because some of my report uh, was covered by you all just now in your reports as well. So um, great news on some of those uh, topics. And uh, because the board did not meet in August, I do have quite a few things to report on. So, um, Jennifer, if you go to the next slide. So, the first item actually is to look ahead to october twenty sixth. So we would like to invite all of the board members to uh, participate in a board workshop that day that will occur at uh, starting at four o'clock, so before the regular board meeting at six um, to discuss the countywide transportation plan. And you'll hear an item on your agenda later tonight regarding this plan um, that sort of tees up some of the discussion at the workshop, but we really want the workshop to be an opportunity for the board to discuss the process more in depth and to start developing a vision for the transportation system in Marin. So um, mark your calendars, everyone. And also note that uh, it will be at a different location, uh, not the board chambers. Um, So we're gonna borrow the Marin Wildfire Prevention Authority's facility at 1600 Los Gamos Drive. Next slide. Uh, so coming back to current events, uh, this is National Drive Electric Week, uh, September 22nd through October 1st. And TAM is partnering with Drive Clean Bay Area to sponsor an electric vehicle and e-bike show on Saturday at Bonair Center from 10 to 1. Um, these uh, uh, ride and drive type events have been pretty popular, and this will offer uh, participants the opportunity to see a variety of electric vehicles and e-bikes all in one place. Um, You can sign up or get more information at the RideAndDriveClean.org website. Uh, Also next week is Clean Air Day, and this is an event that will be hosted by MCE at their San Rafael uh, office location, um, downtown San Rafael. And this is to educate and inform community members and other stakeholders about the importance of clean air and reducing GHG emissions. So Tam will have a booth at this event and uh, MCE will also have uh, food trucks and activities over the lunch hour. Um, So uh, you all and the public are certainly um, welcome and encouraged to attend and uh, more information is available at evopenhouse.eventbrite.com as shown on the slide here and probably on the MCE website as well. Next slide. As Chair Colbert mentioned, we did host a Clean Fleet Expo on September 12th in the Fairgrounds Exhibit Hall. There were over 100 attendees from all over Marin and actually other parts of the Bay Area as well. And as noted, uh, participants got to kick the tires on the various vehicles that were on display in the hall um, and also participate in discussions with TAM and other partners uh, such as PG&E and MCE about how to electrify public agency fleets and uh, what some of the new opportunities and options are. Um, And as you can see, uh, in addition to the electric motorcycle, there was also an electric bus that was actually parked inside the exhibit hall for the event.
7: Hmm.
6: Next slide. Uh, We have some good funding news of our own to share, and uh, this is also noted in item 5F on consent. Caltrans recently notified TAM that we uh, are being awarded a grant of about $520,000 for development of a vehicle miles traveled or VMT toolkit for Marin County. And uh, the funds will be provided through the Caltrans planning grant program, which is an annual program. Um, The language is a little bit technical, VMT reduction and mobility enhancement toolkit, but really, (laughs) okay, you all agree with that. Um, but really this ties back to some of the discussions that this board has had about sort of how do we envision and support the transportation infrastructure that would be needed if um, the RENA the housing mandates are to be delivered so you know if, if new housing comes along what's the infrastructure that will be needed to support that how do we do it, how do we support the jurisdictions in their local sequa processes so. The toolkit is intended to assist local agencies to identify VMT impacts, quantify potential mitigations, and develop a framework to support coordinated improvements to multimodal transportation in Marin. Um, So we're actually pretty excited about this opportunity and uh, several other counties in the Bay Area have been developing similar things. So we're kind of right in line with the times on this. Um, We expect the work to get underway in mid 2024 after the grant process is complete and then to be completed in 2026. Uh, Also as noted by our chair, um, it is back to school season and um, probably you have seen notices from local police and municipalities now that kids are back in school, reminding parents and really all drivers to slow down, follow the rules of the road, be very cautious, uh, especially around school zones. We have a lot of extra tips that are in uh, my written report Um, in addition the safe routes to school program is also announcing a variety of their uh, kind of regular encouragement programs kicking off in the school year including international walk and roll to school day on october 4th ruby bridges day on november 15th a new buddy up contest and other uh, great initiatives through the program If any of you would like to join um, an event on October 4th, they are happening at a lot of schools around the county. So just let Molly or I know and we can connect you to an event in your area. Uh, The last thing on safe routes to school, school, excuse me, that I'd like to note is that uh, the street smarts banners and signs are going back up throughout the county um, starting next week and they'll be up for about eight weeks. Next slide. Also related to schools, um, you may have seen that TAM is running print and electronic ads in the Marin Independent Journal uh, regarding crossing guard recruitment. This is fairly typical for the start of the school year um, and is in line with what we've done the last few years. These IJ ads have actually proven to be pretty effective recruitment tools. So. Um, we are uh, doing that again. We have a few alternate guard and a few alter- a few additional, excuse me, guard and alternate slots that we're trying to fill. so feel free to share uh, the notice with anyone who might be interested or with community groups um, that you are in contact with. Turning to one of our uh, capital projects, the US 101-580 Multimodal and Local Access Improvement Project, formerly known as the Direct Connector. Um, We, I believe, had informed the board last year that one of the things we wanted to do was a series of leadership and capacity building workshops uh, with nearby residents, and I'm pleased to report that those actually started this month. So uh, the first workshop was held with residents from the canal and Woodland neighborhoods. And the idea is to include local neighborhood leaders um, for a community-centered model that creates opportunities for effective and sustained partnership with communities in the project area so that as the project advances through its different phases, the community members will be kind of well-positioned to participate in the public processes, will be familiar with what those civic processes are, and will be able to provide their feedback So these workshop uh, modules will continue for several more weeks. And in addition, um, in early October, the project team plans to convene the final stakeholder working group meeting for this planning phase of the project. And we'll provide an update to that group on the project progress uh, and community engagement that's expected as the project moves into its environmental phase. Next slide. Turning to a little bit of regional news, um, last month, the Bay Area Toll Authority launched an information campaign regarding two new programs that they're making available throughout the Bay Area um, for the fast track programs to help people that have overdue bridge tolls or penalties or fees uh, to get out of debt. So one program is a repayment plan program for lower income individuals and families that have outstanding toll debts. Um, and they are also offering a full or partial one-time violation penalty waiver that's available to all customers regardless of income, and uh, that waiver program is actually available uh, for the seven Bata-owned bridges, the Golden Gate Bridge, and the express lane facilities owned by the Alameda County Transportation Commission, San Mateo County, and Santa Clara VTA, and the one-time penalty waivers are available to customers through September 2024. So uh, there is some time for that to roll out. And um, there's definitely more information available on the Fast Track website or from their customer service center. Uh, Some milestones to report on for State Route 37. Um, One piece of uh, very good news for the project is that Caltrans local district district four was able to secure a grant for $155 million from one of the federal programs called the protect program, and this would be to construct um, phase one of the Marin segment of the project so that money was actually awarded by the California Transportation Commission in August. Um, That same project has been going through the environmental process and Caltrans actually released the draft environmental document for this. US 101 to Atherton segment in August. Um, They held a public meeting on September 21st in Novato. There were several uh, county um, staff, Novato officials, TAM staff that attended as well. And the public comment period is open until October 8th on that draft environmental document. Um, And then the last thing I wanted to note on Highway 37 were the corridor tours that uh, our chair mentioned and uh, all three of the TAM uh, policy committee members were able to attend those tours. Next slide. Uh, I wanted to make sure that folks were aware of a state funding opportunity coming up through the active transportation program. This will be cycle seven of this um, wildly popular program. You probably know it's intended to fund projects that encourage walking and biking by increasing safety and mobility for non-motorized users. Um, Atp is funded through a combination of state and federal funds, you may recall, the last cycle was bolstered by over a billion dollars from the state budget surplus state is not in a budget surplus situation anymore so it's going back to normal funding levels, um, but there's still $555 million expected to be available for this four year cycle. Um, in the previous cycle, Marin projects received nearly $10 million. Um, so we'll hopefully be able to put some strong applications forward for this coming cycle as well. And uh, the slide shows some of the anticipated milestones for the cycle. Notably, applications will be due in June of 2024, and awards will be decided in December 2024 and spring of 2025. Next slide. Um, The IIJA, or Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act, has been rolling out programs, uh, grant programs throughout the summer, and as Vice Chair Lucan mentioned, um, a program was announced this week for rail infrastructure and safety improvements. This is called the CRISI program. There were a number of awards throughout California, including the $32 million grant to SMART for their Healdsburg Green Rail Modernization Project, so congratulations to all those awardees. Uh, The next slide just notes um, some of the community events and meetings uh, that TAM staff and uh, board members have been involved in. Some of these I've talked about uh, throughout the reports and some of them um, were just kind of community events that uh, we are invited to and try to participate in as much as possible. And the last slide I believe is just to note that the Caltrans monthly report is included in the EDR that was sent out uh, with the supplemental information. So that concludes my report and I'm happy to answer any
0: questions. Thanks Anne for that report. Questions? Uh,
3: Yes, um, Director Richmond, do you have the exact time on the uh, workshop for October 26th that we should reserve?
6: Uh, Yes, we are expecting that to start at four o'clock. Thank you. Mm
0: -hmm. Additional commissioner, questions, comments? All right, seeing none, Anne. Thank you for that comprehensive report. Oh, sorry, Jennifer, any public comment here in the chamber? Seeing none.
1: I don't see any hands raised at this time, Chair. Any online? No.
0: Oh. We'll move on to item four. Open time for public expression. Up to two minutes per speaker on items not on the agenda that are within the subject matter of the agency's jurisdiction. While members of the public are welcome to address the board under the Brown Act, board members may not deliberate or take action on items not on the agenda on the agenda and may generally only listen.
8: Uh, Good evening, commissioners. Uh, My name is Terry Green. I sit on the Marin City Community Services District Board. I'm also the executive director of Marin City Climate Resilience and Health Justice. Did you know that Marin City's traffic score is 99% on the California Environmental Protection Agency's Cal Environmental Screen, Screen, According to Cal EPA, traffic is the main source of air pollution. Highway 101 brings noise and air pollution into the Marin City community. Did you know that there is a 17 to 20 year difference in life expectancy of folks in Marin City? between us, Ross, Mel Valley, Sausalito, and I can continue on. Did you know that Marin City has the highest highway noise level in all of Marin County? Marin County has 12 barrier walls, 12 protecting neighborhoods living alone 101, but Marin County ruled out Marin City in 2005. This is discriminatory. Marin County must overturn their 2005 policy decision that Marin City cannot get a barrier wall. We need equity for Marin City now. When we think about noise pollution and the fact that we have the highest, I mean, you can go uh, yourself and look at the noise technical background report of 2005 and you'll see the noise levels. Ours exceeds anyone else, everyone else's, but yet, We don't have a barrier wall. We need an eco barrier wall in Marin City. You think about noise pollution and the fact that it affects your hearing, it affects your speech. Occasionally, every couple of years, I provide parenting services as well, something that I like to do for young parents with children. Comments, but that's that's my time. I got six minutes. See, you interrupted me. I could have made that point.
0: You're welcome to email the commissioners, the rest
8: oh, of your did oh, oh, I thought I had a few more seconds. Okay, see, now the time is just now up. According to this little clock. I just reset it. <laughs> can I just finish that sentence? I'll give you the sentence. You can take the sentence. Out of eight parents I served, seven of them had children with speech and language issues something to think about we need you all to be champions every last one of you all and I have something for you thank you I should give it to who should I give it to Jennifer will take it I'd like to come back when I have more time
0: (laughs) (laughs) it's always two minutes but thank you
8: I want to do a special report
0: well you know what if if we uh, if we ever agendatize something then you'll you'll have another two minutes so is there any additional public comment in the chamber?
9: Welcome. Good evening, Warren. good good evening everyone listening. My name is Irving Triste and I've been working with Gold the Earth over the last year. My main focus has been on testing EV fast charging stations in Marine County to better understand equitable access to currently installed charging stations. We are grateful to Marine Community Foundations who funded this project. Approximately 93% of all EV charging occurs at single family homes. And residents of apartments and condos typically rely on public charging infrastructure. We set out to test whether the public charging in Marin is reliable, equitable, and able to serve Spanish speaking residents. So we tested every charging fast station in Marin County monthly for four months. And we collected data on charging performance ability, and user experience, particularly for the Spanish speaker. We found that some of the chargers were inoperable during the entire four-month testing. These issues included broken screens, broken payment systems, lack of power, and broken cables. The language of the screens and apps are only in English, and there is rarely, rarely any Spanish customer service. Costs to the charge were also significantly higher than charging a home. Based on our findings, our primary recommendation is with, to complement the accounting's EVs strategy, promote reliability and equity for EV charging infrastructure. First, to begin planning how we stimulate property owners in low income communities to install EV chargers. This, was, this will provide more reliable, lost cost charging. Second, and finally, educate our residents to multifamily housing and new charging solutions. There are new lower cost solutions for EV charging apartments and condos. This will naturally motivate residents of low income communities to work with property managers to install chargers, making home charging available, which is the most affordable solution and more accessible. Thank you for your time.
0: Thank you for your comments. Any additional comments here in the chambers?
10: Good evening. Um, first, if you read an article on the IJ today regarding the uh, Marin City uh, Health and Wellness Clinic. Uh, the IJ omitted, it left out that Miss Terry Green is the founder of the uh, Health and Wellness Clinic in Marin City. Um, so know that for future. She is the founder of the Marin City Health and Wellness Clinic right there. Uh i went through your agenda um today and i skimmed through the minutes and i went through your board packet and uh in many areas it speaks about uh, community engagement and it it has many uh references to um underserved communities and reaching out and partnering and all that um i'm i'm uh, and the appropriate agenda item today um I'd like to get into detail regarding uh your plans obviously I've missed a f- few meetings in recent past but if you can explain your uh your tactics and how you plan to reach out to underserved communities and who you're planning on partner with if you can't name it exactly but and outline your uh how you plan to reach underserved communities underserved and uh, unincorporated communities and um, just like to hear more about that thank you
0: Any additional public comment here? Seeing none. Jennifer, any public comment online?
1: Yes, Uh, Matthew Hartzell, please
11: unmute. Thank you. Good evening, commissioners. This is Matt Hartzell with WTB TAM and I want to give you an update on the San Francisco Bay Trail. Um, For those who don't know, MTC is currently working on the first update since 2005 to the Bay Trail gap closure report They've identified 143 gaps in the Bay Trail across the nine-county Bay Area, and 30 of those gaps are in Marin County. In fact, Marin has more gaps than any other of the nine counties. Um, I was at the working group meeting earlier this week at MTC headquarters where they shared the prioritization ranking results, ranking these 143 gaps, and the results are very interesting. They take into account equity, access to jobs, housing, parks, transit, collision history, and um, gap, closure, and network effects. And um, I want to announce the the good news that three um, Marin County segments ranked extremely high, over nine out of 10 points. Um, And I just want to tell you what those three segments are, because it is relevant, because there's a, a brand new grant program that's starting next year. In March, it's going to be the Bay Trail Grant Program, otherwise known as the Safe Routes to Transit and Bay Trail Grant Program. It's $150 million. It's um, money from regional measure three. And the three top scoring Bay Trail gaps in Marin County are, um, the first one is Bellum Boulevard in San Rafael, which I believe is also on the agenda, on the consent calendar later today, as part of a TAM project. Canal Street in San Rafael, And Bridgeway and the entire North-South Greenway Corridor in Sausalito from the northern Sausalito city limits to the southern Sausalito city limits. Um, These segments ranked very high. The Bellum one is ranked 13 out of the 143 for the whole Bay Area. And it looks like my time is up. So thank you.
0: Thank you, Matthew. Jennifer, an additional public comment?
1: Yes. Clayton Smith, please unmute.
12: This is uh, for those of us who are concerned about the um, continued dependence we have on China for essential technologies. And I would consider buses to be one of them. And also in support of the American working class, particularly those back in the eastern part of the country in the manufacturing sector. and I think now the country recognizes the grave need we have to restore manufacturing to this country, to reshore um, what we have offshored uh, to Asia in the past. And uh, this brings up the issue of your move to electrification of your vehicle fleet and the fact. In this process, and I don't think there's been a proper measurement as to the domestic content by price of the products that you're purchasing relative to the products you're discarding. You're discarding a technology that's widely manufactured and made in the United States for a technology that is dependent almost entirely on foreign sourced parts in order to um, produce. And so this brings up a question, when will you um, provide that information, The information concerning the domestic content of the products that you're going to be purchasing? And also concerning the price and lifetime of the batteries, how long are these batteries going to last? And what are they going to cost to replace in the future are they a part of your plan thank you
0: Jennifer any additional public comment
1: I don't see any other comments at this time chair
0: yeah thanks I'll bring it back up here and I I just like to note that uh, we heard the the, uh, request for a discussion around public engagement you know, from my vantage point as chair, uh, your staff is always looking for ways to connect with all members of the community. And I look forward to an enlightening discussion on item number seven, which is just particularly focused on the outreach engagement for the countywide transportation plan. Would you like to add any additional comments?
6: Uh, I had that same thought, Chair, that uh, item seven, which is really focused on community engagement and outreach processes, and we are hoping for the board's feedback on that item um, would be a place to uh, kind of focus that discussion.
0: Great minds think alike, and I had to say it. Anyway, thank you. With that, we will close open time for public discussion and move on to our consent calendar. Would any commissioners care to pull any item?
13: I would like to pull item 5E
0: noted any additional comments on consent at this time if not would anyone care to offer a motion for items a through d and f so moved again we have a first by commissioner blaustein a second by commissioner carroll because we have a commissioner joining remotely we will have to do an individual roll call correct jennifer
1: yes yes please commissioner beckman yes commissioner Blaustein. Yes. Commissioner Carroll? Yes. Commissioner Collin? Aye. Commissioner Catrano. Yes. Commissioner Farrak? Yes. Commissioner Fredericks? Yes. Commissioner Chemnitzer? Yes. Commissioner Cool? Yes. Commissioner Malton Peters? Yes. Commissioner Rice? Yes. Commissioner Verdoni.
3: Yes.
1: Commissioner Sackett? Yes. Vice Chair Lucan? Yes. Chair Colbert?
0: Yes. Commissioner Carroll, you pulled item five uh, E.
13: Yeah, I have a couple of questions on uh, two of the projects. Um, the first is the, um, me, the North South Greenway project, page uh, thirty-eight. Um, the previous item. The connector between the um, pedestrian ramp and the bridge i've had some issues with which i'll deal with later but in the course of researching that one on this particular project the way it's reading to me now is uh nothing's going to be happening for a while uh, and one of the big issues is funding, and I noticed that one of the funding issues is going to be the need for an easement through the mobile home park uh, to connect the um Bridge to the railroad right-of-way. Uh, and there's a question of, one, can we negotiate an easement at a reasonable price? Um, I don't know if TAM has ever done an eminent domain for a project like that. Um, But that easement is causing a lot of concern in my community. And my question is, in the course of researching the other project, I found out that on the east side of Redwood Highway, there is already a 22-foot public easement um, existing between the Cormandere Bridge and Rich Street. An industrial way and i'm wondering if the staff has explored that as a possible option 22 feet would allow for two dedicated bike lanes one each way and a separated uh pedestrian crosswalk um sidewalk so i'm curious is at what point can we would staff explore that issue
6: So Commissioner, just um, by way of background, and then I'll ask uh, Bill Whitney, one of our project managers who's familiar with this to come up and answer specifically on the east side easement question. But this project is not even um, started environmental work yet. So there is no preferred project, there would be a lot of analysis yet to come. So just in terms of um, any potential easements were were not uh, at that point in the project process yet. And uh, there was a feasibility study done previously. So maybe uh, Bill Whitney here can answer your specific question.
14: Uh, good evening, commissioners. Uh, Bill Whitney, project manager. Um, so I have been the project manager for uh, the northern segment of the Greenway and the southern segment of the Greenway. We just delivered the bridge over Quarter Creek and. The Larkspur Council approved um, authorizing the portion on Old Redwood Highway to go to bid, and it started today, actually. As far as work on the southern segment, we did run out of money. We needed it for the the northern segment, so no work has been done. Um, As Ann mentioned, uh, we do need to uh, environmentally clear that uh, facility before any negotiations for right-of-way can take place. So we have not reached that point. As far as an easement on Old Redwood Highway, um, I'm not familiar with that. I'm just familiar with the, where the public right way is. And I do know that that does um, <clears throat> extend into some of the, the private businesses. And if it were to be taken, um, some of the businesses would lose a fair amount of their parking.
13: Well, one business in particular, but. I'm I'm looking at the maps that are proposed for it. You're already requiring one of the businesses to remove a sign because it's in the right-of-way, correct? That is correct. Okay, and so my question is, is would it be cheaper to use that right-of-way and possibly move this project along faster than to try to negotiate a new right-of-way through the mobile home park?
14: Uh, that's possible. could certainly be looked at. Uh, once that project has additional funding, then the different alternatives could be looked at. Okay. So because, it, Well, that...
13: the problem is my community, when they see reports like this, they see that easement going through their park and they think that's the final design. Okay. So I keep getting questions about this and I keep saying, well, okay. And then in looking at that other project, I came across, I mean, I was bounced around between you, Uh, county public works and my own public works large public works and finally it was me noticing on the map why was that sign being removed and i was told oh there's an existing easement right-of-way and i would assume that's much cheaper to deal with than trying to create a new one through a property so since funding is an issue i think that's something that definitely needs to be looked at and also at I'm assuming there will be more public notification in the future to the community. And let me finish. Uh, In the past, and in particular, the bikeway that was approved, uh, the notification to the community was 10 years ago. It was only sent to the um, primary property owner who lived in Dillon Beach. And even though she did a quarterly newsletter to the community, the 90 households she did not tell the community about it um, the process, as i've learned is that and this has been going on for years it's the standard procedures that you go to the county assessor recorder they tell you what is within 500 feet or whatever the limits are of a project and you mail to them and it turns out there's a unique thing with mobile home parks where only about less than a third of those 90 units were on the recorders list and most of those were owned by the property owner they weren't the actual residents in the park and this dates back to an old battle between assessor recorders department of motor vehicles and california community and housing development over who could tax who when and so some of our trailers have Wheels still under them and trailer hitches to avoid getting taxed by the county, and rather have to pay HCD. So, what I'm trying to get across here is: Are we going to be doing a much better job of notifying the community in the future when this moves forward?
14: Absolutely, we will revisit our our public notice process. Okay. Um, and I was... don't
13: know if this applies to maybe projects in Nevada. I think there's maybe a same issue with mobile home parks up there that are near the railroad right away and you know where projects are going to be developed this is something that should be looked at okay Um, the other question I have is regarding the uh, U.S. 101 580 um, connector has the traffic studies for those been completed yet
6: the traffic studies are still in process we'll probably be back to the board in early 2024 with some additional information about that project
13: Okay. And will those studies include uh, the possible effects of the Oak Hill development and uh, the changes that are being made at San Quentin Prison, where they're going to turn it into a rehabilitation facility, which is probably going to add a number of new employees as counselors and um, psychologists and the rest of that. Will it include those?
6: It does account for that development.
13: Thank you. Um, that's it. Thank you. Any additional questions
0: on this item? If not, can we have a motion?
3: I'll move. Um. I'll move. Uh. Acceptance review and acceptance of the semiannual project report. Item five. E second.
0: Uh. Yes, Jennifer.
1: There, there is a hand raised. Jeff. Oh, sorry.
0: Oh. Uh, first public comment on this item, Matthew.
11: Matthew, please unmute. Yes, uh, thank you. I, I would like to speak as one of Commissioner Carroll's constituents in the city of Larkspur uh, to express support for Commissioner Carroll's proposal just now for the southern segment. Um, I think it would be a very good uh, near-term solution to the problem of the southern segment to build a pathway on the railroad right-of-way from Warnham Drive only to Industrial Way, and then let cyclists use Industrial Way and Rich Street to reach the new phase two of the northern segment on the old Redwood Highway. This would allow for an all-ages and abilities bicycle-pedestrian route that avoids the Lucky Drive interchange and in the Trader Joe's parking lot. So, uh, I think that Commissioner Carroll's uh, proposal is a very good one, and I hope that TAM takes a close look at it. I know that the town of Corta who owns that right-of-way, is interested in this uh, proposal and solution as well. Thank you.
0: Jennifer, any additional public comment in the chambers or online?
1: I don't see any additional public comments at this time.
0: Thank you. I think we have a first by Commissioner Rice. Second?
7: There was a second by Sackett.
0: Oh, sorry. Sorry, Mary, I missed that. First by Commissioner Rice, second by Commissioner Sackett. Jennifer, the roll, please.
1: Commissioner Beckman? Yes. Commissioner Blaustein? Aye. Commissioner Carroll? Yes. Commissioner Collin? Aye. Commissioner Cotrano? Yes. Commissioner Farah? Yes. Commissioner Fredericks? Yes. Commissioner Chemnitzer? Yes. Commissioner Kuhl? Yes. Commissioner Melton Peters? Yes. <clears throat> Commissioner Perry? Yes. Commissioner Rice? Yes. Commissioner Rodoni Yes. Commissioner Sackett? Yes. Vice Chair Lucan? Yes. Chair Colbert?
0: Yes. Item passes. We'll now move on to item number six, the Alternative Fuels Program update and acceptance of the Marin County-wide Electric Vehicle Acceleration Strategy. Anne?
6: So while the presenters get settled here, I'll just say that this is... Um, more or less an annual update on the Alt Fuels program uh, that we've provided the last few years. So we're here to do that and also ask for the board's acceptance of the electric vehicle acceleration strategy, uh, which was conducted largely with TAM funding and has gone to, I think, most, if not all of the local jurisdictions in recent months. So with that, I will turn it over to the presenters.
2: Good evening, everyone. It is a pleasure to present to you today the Alternative Fuels program update. I am joined today by Christina Rourke, who has been instrumental in leading the MCEP EV acceleration strategy we'll hear from her later in this presentation and also Derek McGill, the renowned program manager. of oh, <laughs> Next slide, please. <laughs> So we wanted to start off uh, with some good news and a snapshot of where Marin County is currently at with EV sales in comparison to all vehicle sales in the county. Um, You can see that this chart is going up and to the right, which is the direction that we like to see it. Uh, Per the California Energy Commission, EV sales in Marin County have been steadily increasing. uh, And in this last year of 2022, EV sales were at 33% of total vehicle sales in Marin County. Um, And as per today, Um, 2023 year to date, uh, 37.4% of sales uh, of vehicles within Marin County were zero emission vehicles. This includes battery electric vehicles, plug-in hybrid vehicles, and fuel cell. Um, So we're really excited about the current state um, of EV sales throughout the county. Please. So just a quick summary of where uh, TAM's program is at today. Uh, The electrification or the alternative fuels program is funded through Measure B Element 3.3, and works alongside Measure AA and other goals in Measure B in reducing GHG emissions. The program includes three main elements being the charger rebate program, the fleet rebate program, and outreach and technical assistance. Uh, The charger rebate program provides $3,000 for level one and two chargers, which can be matched with MCE's rebate program for a total of uh, $6,500 per charge head. The EV fleet rebate program charging levels vary from $1,000 to $5,000 per vehicle, uh, depending on the vehicle type and have been expanded to include e-bikes, utility carts, and other transportation-specific vehicles uh, that are used by local agencies. Uh, the program, as I mentioned, includes outreach and technical assistance where we work closely with the local jurisdictions on a variety of different outreach events throughout the county. Um, this includes close coordination with regional partners such as MTC, MCE, PGE, and others. and uh, others. The program also has a pilot provision where TAM staff works closely with local jurisdiction staff on pilot projects, such as fleet transition plans, e-bike charging networks, and streetlight charging, and much more that we're very excited about. Next slide. So a little bit about the program to date. Our program has helped over 346 chargers uh, be installed, of which 31 were installed last year alone, with an additional 101 charging uh, projects in progress. Sam is helping overall to install 447 chargers throughout Marin County Uh, for the fleet rebate program we have helped to uh, deploy over 45 EV fleet vehicles. Uh, This also includes our program also includes uh, the outreach events, uh, including a first responder event this year, we have helped roll out EV toolkits, Uh, we have coordinated uh, with MCP on the countywide EV acceleration strategy and plan. Uh, coordinated with MCE and the county on a fair booth this year, which I'll provide more information on later in this presentation, uh, ride and drive, siding studies, and a parking lot study. Uh, additionally, we have gone to MCL, MPWA, uh, MCP, the Corte Madera Climate Action Committee, uh, police chiefs, and many other meetings throughout the county. Um, as we're asked, we go and we provide information on what TAM's doing and what other, what other regional and state and federal agencies are doing. Next slide. So a recent report on uh, recent events and upcoming activities. Uh, as mentioned, TAM hosted a EV First Responders webinar with Captain Clealy of the Central Marin Police who spoke on the successes that their fleet has seen in using EVs. Uh, TAM also co-sponsored an electrification booth with the county and MCE at the Marin County Fair. Uh, where attendees could interact uh, with different electric vehicles and bikes and learn more about electrification. Uh, This included an F-150 Lightning, which was plugged into a fan. And if any of you had the pleasure of going on a super hot day to the Marin County Fair, you know that that fan was very well utilized. Um, So that was uh, very popular at the event. Uh, TAM also recently hosted um, as our director mentioned, the Clean Fleet Expo, which focused on local agency partners and private partners gathering together to have discussions on how local jurisdictions can work with partners to prepare for an alternative fuel future. Uh, looking forward, we do expect to have a school electrification event webinar online, which will be similar to the first responders event, uh, but focus more on school districts. Uh, we also will share more information in the next slide about a partnership we're really excited about with the Lyme Foundation. Uh, and we also are working with Cool to Earth on events at, at the National Drive Electric Week and an Earth Day EV partnership to come in 2024. So the Lyme Foundation is a partnership with MCE, the County of Marin and uh, the Lyme Foundation's Next Gen Trades Academy. Truly focuses on training youth ages 16 to 24 who are looking to pursue construction trades specific to electrification. We know that there's a lot of nuances that come to electrification and installing chargers, preparing the grid for all of the different projects that are coming in the state goals. So this will really focus on uh, training those interested in pursuing construction trades specific to electrification. Uh, We are coordinating with our local partners and contractors uh, to see if they're interested in pursuing speaking and teaching opportunities but we're really excited about um, pursuing this within Marin County it's a $5,000 pilot program so once that is complete we will report back to you all on the successes that we've seen from that but we're really excited to have this opportunity next slide so in June the board approved $336,000 uh, for this year which was based on uh, TAM staff's expectations uh, for the expenditures in order to deliver the work plan this includes $186,000 expected for the rebate program, of which $86,000 was set aside for a large TAM Union High School district project. Um, we're really excited to have, uh, let's see, 26 chargers at Redwood High School and eight at Archie Williams, uh, as well as a set aside in 150000 for outreach throughout the county. Uh, staff continues to budget based on program need and deliver the items identified in the work plan. And we continue to monitor, um, but want to note as bigger projects and new pilots come about. We um, want to make sure that our program allocations are monitored and delivered accordingly. Key elements of the work plan are to ensure rebate requests are submitted and projects implemented. We move forward with support of all of our outreach. We continue to monitor, promote, and apply for regional state and federal grant programs, of which I'll get into in the next slide as appropriate, and that we continue to support uh, the EV acceleration strategy implementation and goals as well as the mtc transportation electrification program next slide please so there is a growing pace of support for grants from federal sources as the need to address the impacts of climate change and its contributors become a lot more noticeable throughout the region uh, and the globe quite frankly uh, so a little bit about mce programs and grants specifically mce recently was awarded a one million dollar grant Um, through the Department of Energy to develop local electrification councils specific within equity priority communities across the MCE service area. We're very excited that MCE has been awarded this grant and we are looking forward to serving on these councils and working closely in coordination with MCE um, to ensure uh, that TAM's involvement in that project. MCE also received a $2 million earmark from the Housing and Urban Development Department for 700 chargers across their service area. Um, We are closely coordinating with them um, to make sure that we are advocating for the chargers within Marin County. Uh, MCE is also working on a fleet transition planning effort, which will look to deploy about three to five pilots where they will coordinate with local jurisdictions on uh, planning efforts for fleet transitioning, um, moving from gasoline vehicles to alternative fuels, uh, especially electric vehicles. We are also excited about the County of Marin's Charging and Fueling Infrastructure Program grant application. Uh, This was focused on a federal grant on expanding uh, charging in low-income communities, equity priority communities, and rural communities. Uh, The county is proposed $650,000 for siting within these areas. And there are some similar activities uh, as to the MCE US Department of Energy grant. So we understand and recognize the need for coordination across these two, and we'll continue to monitor and coordinate uh, appropriately. And then TAM worked closely with Marin Transit and Golden Gate to submit a TERSIP application for 20 zero emission buses. Uh, unfortunately, this did result in a second failed attempt for the state funding. However, we're going to continue to tout this. Marin Transit was successful in securing a federal funds for facility and 31 million dollars uh, in a separate application. So we're still very excited about that effort. Uh, and then lastly, the National Electric Vehicle Infrastructure or NEVI program is expected to deploy level three chargers throughout its alternative fuel corridors, which includes Highway 1, 101, and State Route 37. Uh, staff is continuing to monitor this process uh, process and we are expecting to have deployments on our roads uh, within the county, uh, given the stipulations for one charger per 50 miles of highway, uh, inevitably equating to a project deployment along Marin's highway system. Next slide please. MTC is deploying a transportation electrification program funded through OBag that is focused on the four categories that you can see on this slide. Uh, MTC has begun rolling out these programs and currently the climate grant for transit station public charging is open for capital grants for charging at public public transit stations for EVs or e-mobility devices. Uh, TAM is closely coordinating with the transit operators in local jurisdictions on pursuing this opportunity and we do expect that MTC will release a call for fleet transition planning as well later this year. We are in very close contact uh, with James Cho at MTC who is managing that program uh, to make sure that we are reflecting Marin County's needs specifically in that program as best possible. And then finally, the charging and fueling infrastructure program at the federal level is expected to have a second round. We don't know the timing on that round at this moment, but we are continuing to monitor it. Next slide. And with that, I'm really happy to introduce Christine O'Rourke, who <laughs> will be giving a little bit more information about the MCBEV EV Acceleration Strategy. Let's take away,
15: Thank you, Michaela. Uh, good evening, Commissioners. I'm Christine O'Rourke, the Sustainability Coordinator for the Marine Climate and Energy Partnership. And I'm here to present on the MCP, MCEP, the Countywide EV Acceleration Strategy. This was developed by MCEP with funding from the Transportation Authority of Marin. Thank you very much. At this point in time, the uh, the strategy itself was released in February. And at this point in time, I've presented to just about all of the cities and towns, councils, and commissions. I just have two more cities to go. Um, the document itself has is as four main strategy areas, acceleration of public charging infrastructure, increase municipal fleet electrification, conduct robust outreach and education and supporting and advocating for policy and legislation that accelerates EV adoption. The strategy is not a one-size-fits-all plan. What we do is we present a suite of actions that a jurisdiction can choose from. Some are whatever is relevant to that jurisdiction. And then we provide a work plan in the back of the document so the jurisdiction can use that work plan to prioritize and implement the actions that are chosen. Next slide, please. So the MCEP subcommittee that drafted the plan started the planning process by coming up with these guiding principles um, first and foremost we wanted to align with and support our local climate action plans those plans have been adopted by all of our cities and towns and the county and we wanted to support both the greenhouse gas emission reduction targets in those plans and the zev adoption rates that are embedded in the plans We also wanted to provide equitable access to EV programs and strive for equitable outcomes. We did use that equity lens when we looked and developed all of the actions that are contained in the plan. We want to coordinate countywide for consistency, efficiency, and cost effectiveness. This is true of all of the programs that we do at MCEP. And then finally, we wanted to be sure to focus government actions on those that would be most um, efficiently utilized public funds. We know that there's a lot of regional, state, federal funds, programs, incentives out there, more that are coming. In some places, it's best for jurisdictions to just promote those existing programs. And also, there's a lot of, as you've heard, Um, Momentum in the EV market right now. And so sometimes what our jurisdictions should just simply do is support the private market in that trajectory. Next slide, please. So the CEC is um, counting our EV chargers that we have in public and shared private chargers. We have over a 1000 of them in Marin at this time. 83 of those are fast chargers. The number of single family home chargers are undoubtedly very much higher. About 71% of the housing units in Marin are single family homes. And in a way, that market kind of takes care of itself because those homeowners have the ability to install a level two charger. Of course, if a home is older and has an older um, uh, electrical panel, sometimes increasing capacity can be a barrier for those homes. But the greatest need is for shared private chargers in multifamily buildings and at workplaces. And that's demonstrated here in the chart. The yellow bar is showing you the need for those shared chargers. So we see that there's really an opportunity to use our, our resources um, and, and local ordinances, like breach codes, to ensure that new multifamily buildings are ready and that there's a uh, EV charging capacity and ability for all tenants of those new buildings next slide please so we identified these barriers to ev adoption in the plan and we use these barriers to um, to make sure that the strategies and actions that we were proposing in the plan are addressing the barriers some of them like vehicle technology are kind of working themselves out ev range is definitely increasing the lack of vehicle availability is improving although there are still some supply chain issues with some models, particularly like Ford F-150s. There's not enough um, public charging, as I've already mentioned. The reliability of public charges are certainly, um, certainly an issue. EVs are still more expensive than regular either ICE components, but price parity is expected to be achieved in the relatively near future. There are still quite a bit of misperceptions out there about EVs, which our um, jurisdictions can certainly help to to address through promotion and outreach and education. And then finally, we did also look at um, e-bikes and e-scooters. Some of the major barriers there are, one, lack of secure parking, because, of course, EV bikes are more expensive than regular bikes and do get stolen occasionally, and then um, probably paramount is the lack of safe and protected cycling infrastructure. And that's true, not just for e-bikes, for just all of biking. Next slide, please. So um, as I said, I've brought this this EV acceleration strategy to almost all of the councils. It has been enthusiastically um, accepted. And many of our councils have directed staff to uh, either complete the work plan or to integrate those actions into their regular climate action planning work plans. TAM can continue to support our work by um, and the actions that are in the work plan as appropriate and as they align with TAM's TAM's goals and needs. And of course, there are partnerships that we can uh, leverage to support implementation with the county and with other regional just um, agencies. Uh, next
2: slide. Thank you, Christine. Thank you, everyone. i have happy to take any questions.
0: Questions? Mr. Cohen.
16: Thank you. Thank you, Michaela. Thank you, Christine. And yes, Samerfell has had one of those presentations. And I don't think I asked this question then but it occurred to me so in your outreach strategy. Is there a place to talk to developers for bringing in new construction and to have the education piece there we do it through our community development but I'm curious about that. And then property owners for existing buildings so it's both, if you could speak to how you're really addressing both of those new develop as well as existing. Um, And then the second kind of question comment, uh, as we electrify more. There's going to be more load on the grid and I'm curious how pg e is part of this conversation and that's a really big kind of meta contextual question but I think we can start asking that so I would appreciate any insight thank
15: sure. you sure so as far as um, working with developers you know if if the code is requiring it and then of course we'd be working with developers but just encouraging um, uh, electrical EV charging at the permit counter and through the development process is definitely one thing that's included in the plan Um, doing outreach to multifamily owners so that they're aware of incentives and rebates that are available Uh, programs innovative programs like orange charging uh, anything that the city can do in order to facilitate that charging um, installations that at multi is, is is yes, part of the plan as But well. is that
16: being done on city by city or is there an over kind of arching strategy that we can all learn from each other? So Saranfield doesn't do it one way and then Senate Semmel make making it a different way, like?
17: <laughs> I'll take a stab at this. Okay. Um,
16: <laughs>
7: Thank you, Jared.
16: As
17: the transportation authority, we don't normally do outreach to developers or property owners related <laughs> to building codes. Um, we do know that the county of Marin, when they discuss reach codes, they often mm-hmm. meet with property owners and with developers about the proposed new codes that are being installed. Right. So that would be the avenue to have a conversation around this. Um, TAM staff wouldn't know the existing codes as right. well as city staff would in order to have um, sort of a conversation with them on that. Um, but to your second piece about the load on the grid um, and the relationship with PG&E, they are the elephant in the room when it comes to this. Um, and as we get to level three charging and the need for, um, you know, direct um, DC fast charging at more locations, specifically on public agency sides, we are encouraging all of our jurisdictions that are thinking about going in this direction to reach out to PG&E early in the process and understand that timeline. There are significant hurdles um, and grid constraints to where DC fast charging can be installed in the county. Yeah. Um, and so starting that conversation early is very helpful yes we are starting
16: that conversation well well thank you for that and I, I guess my only other input would be on this document is to say what you just said in here so we recognize that existing buildings and new buildings have their own challenges and if it's not Tim, it's it's working with basically what you just said because otherwise it looks like that's something we haven't thought about and yet we've been talking about multifamily charging so thank you thank you
7: uh commissioner Catrano? Thank you, Chair. Um, thank you both so much. Thank you all so much for for this um, strategy put forward and all the work that's gone into it. I had a quick question on um, how you all think about approaching multifamily housing throughout Marin. Um, like, you know, at a high level, it makes sense to, to start to dig into that, but what's the actual path forward look like and how do we as elected officials support you all in connecting with multifamily housing unit owners?
15: <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, that's a very good question. I think we haven't really um, ironed out the exact process for doing that. I know that the, you know, the cities and towns have their relationships with um, multifamily uh, landlords and can leverage those relationships to get the word out, but that's something we definitely need to work on.
6: Can I uh Through the Chair, if I may just add to that. So, I mean, just as a reminder, TAM's programs are to provide rebates to public agencies and the work that we're doing in partnership with entities like MCE and the County of Marin through their CFI grant application would um, be more focused potentially on private property owners, multi-unit family um, uh, buildings, um, but in general, you know, those other entities are more likely to have the relationships. You know, MCE as a utility, obviously, they have a relationship with their ratepayers, their consumers, um, the county, and the jurisdictions through permitting processes, et cetera. So, in the in those um, particular outreach efforts, TAM is more of a supporting partner, and you know, we're happy to share information that we have, knowledge that we have, et cetera. But our just a reminder, our programs are more focused on public sector.
0: Thanks for those comments
7: and
0: Commissioner Prey.
7: Thank you um, for all the great work here. Uh, When you guys came to Mill Valley, uh, we brought up a question around uh, the network uh, across the county. Um, There was a a great, or maybe it was even when MCE came, there was a great map um, showing uh, the distribution of EV charging across the county. And a lot of it was concentrated, um, I think it was in Novato um a fair amount in San Rafael how do we space it out so that we're ensuring uh continuity across the county so that folks who are coming from Novato can charge Mill Valley and vice versa
17: we're all pointing fingers over here um uh, I, I think part of the reason that we see a little bit of a distribution uh geared towards Central and Northern Marin is the new development that's gone in in those areas it's much easier to install charging at new development than going in and retrofitting um and we're seeing a lot more of the, that need in southern marin um we developed a site plan back in 2018 um and the board um, i think approved it around the november december time frame and we identified southern marin and some of the corridors as area of outstanding needs um, since that time that needs grown it's been mostly um Private market installations on private commercial shopping centers. Um, Electrify America at the Safeway in Mill Valley is one example where um, public funds were not used, it was all privately funded. So I think that's part of the conversation that we're trying to highlight in the um, EV acceleration strategy, I had to get the name right again, Um, that where there is an opportunity for private forces to go in and install chargers and there's a market for that, supporting that and making sure our permitting processes and understanding of those needs um, are well understood.
7: Oh, uh.
13: Oh, thanks. Thank you,
18: Chair Colbert. Uh, So earlier we heard from Cool the Earth asking specifically about more bilingual access for the EV charging sites and in your plan specifically, it says support or advocate for EV programs that provide Equitable access to EV charging infrastructure, such as deeper discounts, equity priority communities and neighborhoods, buyback programs, et cetera. But there's nothing there about general access and understanding, uh, and especially about the bilingual component that was brought up this evening. Is that something that is part of the more specific strategy or will be considered in the and the deployment of the new strategy?
15: Yeah, I would I would say yes. Um, you know, part of the issue is to ensure that there are EV chargers in lower-income areas, and and you know, and again, especially near multifamily housing. So that is that is definitely part of the strategy. Um, also, the expensive, um, you know, these chargers is uh, of course another issue that has to be um, has
18: to be dealt with. And then add along to that, if I think many of us here on the TAM Commission. Uh, have EVs and have probably experienced the frustration of visiting an EV charging site and trying to charge your car and having one or many of those components not work. And I'm especially concerned about how we will provide feedback and access in um, in these communities where we're trying to put an emphasis that might not have as many chargers or don't have the education or infrastructure around chargers. So have you thought about one um, how we're going to update and service chargers in general as we continue to improve the infrastructure, but more specifically how will we do that in these communities that are targets for our equity engagement?
15: Yeah, well, you know where those chargers are installed by the cities on public property we can certainly and that's in the plan is to include maintenance agreements so that those um you know the the suppliers will ensure that those that they are properly maintained when they're private um when they're privately you know, installed. That's another issue.
18: Um, But yeah, I wonder if we could have some sort of TAM or MCP community program that would have a bilingual YouTube video that was accessible at all of the sites of just how you use the charger or, you know, how to download the apps. Because some things that seem very basic for many of us are are not necessarily that obvious. We don't all have the same level of um, digital fluency. So I would ask for that as well. But thank you very much for a great presentation. I really appreciate all of your efforts here.
0: Commissioner Wright
3: actually um Commissioner Blaustein, um, asked my questions thank you
13: well there we go uh Mr Carl a couple of questions right, number one it occurs to me I also sit on I'm uh, the liaison to our Planning Commission and our Heritage Preservation Board and they generally particularly the Planning Commission gets involved in these projects much earlier than the city council members do. And I'm wondering what kind of communication you have with the uh, planning directors and the planning commissions throughout the county.
15: In the in the development of the plan, the um, you know most of the staff on MCP are in or work closely with the planning departments. So we did in the beginning of the process meet with all of the staffs um, and also public work staff because they are tasked with a lot of implementation, especially around like. Electrification of municipal fleets and installing EV chargers on public lands, but we did um, discuss this with the with public um, with planning directors and with planning staff, especially around like the uh, reach code ordinances. And the reach code ordinance has been adopted by many of the cities and towns. It was the EV code portion of that was part of the like the all electric ordinance that again many cities and towns have adopted
13: okay I guess what I'm getting at though is there any ongoing communication to update planning commissioners uh and um the directors on changes in the laws or programs that are available that they might you know not otherwise I mean most of the discussion at the planning commission is FARs and you know setbacks and the rest of it I'm just curious when they're looking at the initial set of plans are they up to date on what's available to the homeowner or you know 71 percent or single family homes but they're also reviewing those multi-family projects and a lot of times the developers are talking to them informally first mm-hmm. and so I'm wondering if there's a an adequate communication process so that those planning directors and planning commissioners are kept up to date as to the potential you know they're the ones on the ground so to speak whereas we're you know sitting back and you know is that an area we should concentrate more on
17: yeah I would say in terms of planning review of any development projects um, these items are typically included in electrical reviews um, and that is something that has not been expressed as a need or um, an area of assistance for from our planning departments. They're usually pretty capable of doing plan check and review. I wouldn't note, however, that when this comes to planning commission reviews, um, EV charging stations are generally exempt from any planning commission reviews um, as part of the permit streamlining to support EV charging and in, um, installations in the county.
13: Okay. Um, the other question I had was you mentioned that you were applying for a grant for $650,000 um uh, directed towards low income areas what exactly is that Six hundred and fifty thousand dollars. are you asking for what it would accomplish
2: yeah so that was a grant uh, applied for by the county of Marin in partnership with TAM MCE and uh cool the earth that is for uh citing for charges within equity priority communities and rural communities so specifically the areas that it targets is Novato Uh, the canal marin city and west marin uh the goal of that plan would ultimately be to do outreach into those areas and ultimately find different sites uh, where it would make sense to deploy charging in those neighborhoods but also have communication with those communities to ensure that what is getting deployed is actually um, of appetite uh, in those areas so um we are in close contact with the county of marin on that and we'll keep you posted so would
13: it include um informing the community about any rebates or possible subsidies in purchasing the cars because it's kind of silly to put a charger. I mean, given the cost of the... I've looked at it for my personal use and given the cost for the EV vehicles, does that, is that a part of that, that we're not just putting a a charger that's not going to be used?
2: Yeah. Is it
13: all coordinated?
2: there is a substantial outreach element as a part of that grant that has been proposed um, which will include a lot of engagement upfront uh, to ensure that if there ultimately are recommendations for sites within that area um, that the community understands uh, the different rebates that are available um, and a big education process is expected to be a part of that scope um, we are still waiting to hear back whether or not we have received award for that um, but we are also in close partnership with uh, MCE's department uh, on the Department of Energy grant that they received for a million dollars across the service area, but that will include councils within Marin County as well. So as that continues to develop, um, we are making sure that we're in close coordination with them on uh, similar efforts essentially to do outreach in those communities um, to make sure that there's uh, education and a uh, reciprocal understanding of what's actually desired in this neighborhood. Right. And
13: you'd mentioned, um, you'd mentioned, outreaching to the different city councils and everything. And I'm wondering how it works with uh, areas of the county that uh, are not cities like Marin City and West Marin. How do you go? Do you go through the supervisor or is it through the community service districts? And are they being given presentations too? Um,
15: No, I gave a presentation to the... um a sub uh, a subcommittee, I'm drawing a blank on the name, but of the board of this Board of Supervisors. So there's an ad hoc committee that reviews um, climate action sustainability initiatives. So I gave a presentation to them. The sustainability team would be tasked with implementing the uh, the specific recommendations in the plan and doing outreach to those other um, those other. Uh, okay, center. so you haven't
13: done like a presentation in marin city through the no. community services district
15: no just to the just to the, the this board
13: or like in the canal area has there been
15: so i gave a presentation to the um to the city of san rafael
13: okay but was it at city hall or in the it's city hall okay right. it wasn't at the canal community center in the community itself
15: mm-hmm.
17: yeah I, I might add in here the intention of this plan is to help support implementation of local jurisdictions climate action plans. Um, So the audience for this is really our agency's staff and our councils to make sure that we have a policy framework that can support outreach and implementation um, around EVs. Um, The audience isn't necessarily a community board or nonprofit, more a uh, sustainability coordinator and what actions should they be considering to support EV adoptions in their community. Um and on the e-bikes,
13: um I I was a little that went by real fast. I mean, can you go a little more detail about that? The share plan, I think it was.
15: So uh for e-bikes, so the plan is, you know, it's predominantly um focused on uh, passenger vehicles, but we did again look at e-bikes and we looked at some um barriers to EV adoption and what i had mentioned was first of all there's the price of the e-bikes which are more expensive than regular bicycles the um, lack of charging can, can be a barrier there's you know um, and also secure parking and protected bicycling structure uh, infrastructure so there is recommendations in the plan to provide charging to provide secure parking and um, and to include those in development review um, in the process as well as approval to ensure that there is um, a, you know, enough bike parking,
5: and... Christine, would you mind speaking into the microphone, please? Thank Sorry. you.
15: Pull it over here uh, to ensure that there is um, adequate bike biking infrastructure, protected bicy- bicycle bicycle um, paths as well. So those those sorts of things are in the plan. Okay. Well,
13: one concern I have um, is there. I don't know if this falls in your jurisdiction. This may be entirely a fire department issue, but there's been so much coverage of particularly substandard e-bike and scooter uh, battery charging in apartment buildings uh, that have caused fires. And is there any part of that program involved with this or is this something that's a fire department issue and doesn't fall under your...
15: That hasn't been addressed in the plan, per se. Um, but I think if it's an issue, that would certainly sounds like it's an uh, an electrical issue that would need to be addressed through plan review. Okay. All right,
13: thank you.
8: Commissioner
5: Beckman? Thank you, Chair. Thank you all for the great presentation and great work. Um, understand from uh, what you've said that it is, uh, and it makes sense intuitively, that it's more difficult to add EV charging um, to an existing development than it is to include it in a new development. Just wanted to understand that a little more deeply. What are the biggest pain points there that we see when looking at adding EV charging to existing developments? Is it panel upgrades? Is it transformer upgrades? Is it you know I'm, I'm just curious kind of what the pain points are and if there's anything that either us as a board or us and our individual agencies can be doing or if there's something we should be advocating for
17: specifically when we meet with lawmakers uh it's all of the above and more um definitely a retrofitting of the existing grid transformers the whole grid side of the equation um, needs to be considered but also the panel like you mentioned and any interior design requirements for any additional especially higher capacity um charging equipment, where those go, and what does that site plan look like? Uh, It's much harder on an existing footprint than um, a new facility where it can be accommodated easier in the design process. Uh, In terms of actionable items, if you guys are thinking of any uh, bond measures or any capital improvement programs for your facilities, which is not an area TAM historically has um, coordination on with your public works departments, that is a great opportunity to build EV charging into your projects as they're identified in your capital improvement programs. Um, And I think all of us could probably do uh, a little bit more in identifying what those projects are in our capital improvement programs and making sure they're identified early in the process and reaching out to rebate agencies such as TAM and MCE to make sure that they're on our radar as upcoming opportunities.
5: Fantastic, thank you.
0: Jennifer, uh, any public comment here in the chamber?
8: Well, I appreciate the report, and I understand a lot of this money comes down through disadvantaged communities, and I'll do respect uh, to you all. It would be great for you all to come to the community. Come to Moran City. Don't ignore us. You know, what you're saying is important, but come to the community. Jennifer,
0: seeing no... Additional public comment uh, in-house. Any public comment online?
1: Yes. Clayton Smith, please unmute.
12: I want to go back to what uh, Kate Collins brought up about PG&E. And and i would like to make the assertion that without the uh, expansion of nuclear power in the state of California, uh, there is no clean alternative to the current fact that these EVs are basically running on coal that is being burned out of state and brought to us vis-a-vis our aging grid or the natural gas that is burned both here and elsewhere uh, provided by the fracking revolution. As far as the grid rebuild um, who has to pay? PG&E has already increased its prices by 40% recently, which is disproportionately affecting lower-income folks and also discourages making California an attractive place for business to locate or expand, which is necessary for a vibrant private sector economy, upon which your future tax base uh, is dependent. And concerning, again, these batteries, I want to go back to these batteries. These batteries die. And when the battery death occurs, the disposal becomes an issue. Um, I would like to wonder what third world country is lining up now in its desperation to buy and relocate all these batteries to their location to bury them uh, in the dirt somewhere can tell you the Chinese and most of the countries in Asia are sick of our waste they're selling us the batteries but they aren't going to be taking them back in the future so I wonder what's going to happen with them thank you
0: next public comment Jennifer
1: Warren Wells please unmute
19: Hi, Chair, uh, members of the Commission, this is Warren Wells uh, with the Marin County Bicycle Coalition. Um, I, I wanted to speak to the question about electric bicycles, which were raised as part of the presentation. Um, and, and so maybe I missed this, but but in my review of the, the plan, you know, though the barriers to e-bike uptake were well identified, I didn't see among the 36 action items any that uh, addressed those barriers. So I'll just kind of touch on those real quickly. So, you know, the safety issue it's pretty straightforward. Roughly half of adults interested in, um, are interested in riding a bike, but only do so if they feel safe. This means protected bike lanes, bike paths, and slow streets. Paint-only bike lanes and, and shared lanes don't provide enough sense of security for most people, particularly if they're traveling with children. So, if they do adopt an EV, it's going to be an electric car, you know, which is great for climate reasons, but may not uh, address our our traffic our substantial traffic issues here in Moran. On the storage side. Uh, which was again identified as one of the barriers to uptake. The fix is is simpler. Um, you know, e-, e bikes don't really need chargers because people typically charge inside their home, and, and storage is a key issue. So, if electric, as with electric cars, single family homes are less of a problem because people have a garage, but multifamily housing prevents it, presents a challenge. And so, the fix, at least with new construction, is to require secure off street bicycle parking. Unfortunately, as it stands, only Larkspur, San Anselmo, and Unincorporated County require secure bicycle parking and new development as part of their zoning or building codes. Um, particularly with the requirement to meet our, our, our arena requirements, we believe that our new housing in Marin needs to be not only EV ready, but e-bike ready, which means um, change our zoning codes or building codes to require that secure off-street bicycle parking so that people can can uh, have a bike and know that it's safe and will be there when they when they want to go somewhere in the morning. All right. Thank you so much. Really appreciate your time.
0: Jennifer, any additional public comment online?
1: I don't see any additional comments at this time, chair.
0: So we'll bring it back here uh, for discussion. And and I believe this is an action item, correct?
6: It is an action item to accept the countywide EV
7: acceleration strategy. All right. Any commissioner comments? I'm happy to move acceptance, Chair. Uh,
0: That's great. I'll just make two quick comments. Uh, Very, very brief. One, I think uh, Commissioner Collins' remarks about what cities and towns can learn from each other is always important. So if anyone manages to crack the code about retrofitting multifamily homes in uh, in Marin, please uh, share it because the points of friction are huge and numerous. And the other one is I just want to thank you and and staff for sort of continuing to remind us that, you know, TAM is really focused on public agencies and public fleets because very often these conversations often sort of turn to, well, what can we do in the private sector? And I think TAM's role is always probably to sort of make sure we're providing that information to our, our jurisdictions and then sort of seeing how they can disseminate it to uh, private landowners. So with that, we have a first from Commissioner Catrano. Second?
4: I'll second
0: it. Excellent. First by Commissioner Catrano, second by Commissioner Fredericks. Jennifer, the roll, please.
1: Commissioner Beckman? Yes. Commissioner Blaustein? Yes. Commissioner Carroll? Commissioner Collin? Aye. Commissioner Catrano? Yes. Commissioner Farrak? Yes. Commissioner Fredericks? Yes. Commissioner Chemnitzer? Yes. Commissioner Cool. Yes. Commissioner Moulton Peters? Yes. Commissioner Pare. Yes. Commissioner Rice. Yes. Commissioner Verdoni. Yes. Commissioner Sackett. Yes. Vice Chair Lucan. Yes. Chair
7: Colbert. Yes.
0: Move on to item seven. This is the outreach and engagement for the countywide transportation plan and community based transportation plan. And would you like to start us off.
6: Yes, I would. Thank you, Chair. Uh, well, um, Sybil and Bob get settled here with Derek, who is staying at the table. Um, So just a quick reminder related to this item that last spring, uh, the board approved a contract with FAIR and peers to support TAM in developing Mm -hmm. the countywide transportation plan, community-based transportation plan. Um, So we have been busy over the summer gearing up with the team and we wanted to bring you a brief introductory item tonight, focusing in particular on the outreach and engagement strategy for the plan. This is not really meant to be a big uh, visioning discussion. We are scheduling the workshop in, workshop in October for that, um, but it is meant to provide uh, a bit of an introduction, plant the seeds uh, so that next month's discussion can be especially productive. So with that, I would like to introduce Bob Grandy from Fair and Peers, who is the project manager for the consulting team and Sybil Hatch from Convey, who is the outreach lead, and they will walk through the presentation and this is for discussion only.
20: Good evening, commissioners. Uh, I'm gonna start by giving a high level overview of the purpose uh, process and schedule and then turn it over for Sybil to to cover most of the details on the engagement plan. Um, I did wanna briefly mention that we have already met about four weeks ago with the CTP ad hoc committee of the board and two weeks ago with the CTP tax. So we've got a a good start on the process. So thanks to all those who were engaged in that. Uh, Next slide, please. So the CTP or community transport or countywide transportation plan is a strategic long range vision for Marin County for 2050. Now there's also a reference to a CBTP, which is a community based transportation plan. That's a program established by MTC to identify the most important transportation challenges for low-income communities and to develop strategies to overcome those. So for that CBTP portion, we will use the Marin city canal and Novato CBTPs that have been prepared previously as a foundation, and use that uh, to expand and address the challenges in those communities and other parts of Marin, including West Marin. Um, Those CBTP challenges and strategies will be incorporated directly into the CTP. Um, A focus, the last thing I'd mention that is a focus of the CTP will be to align planning with funding decisions and project delivery Uh, to support future TAM decision making. Next slide, please. So this slide lists some illustrative outcomes uh, for the CTP and we'll be talking a lot more about these and other potential outcomes at the uh, October 26 board working session. So I'll just uh, move on to the next slide uh, just to, to whet the appetite of those, the kinds of things we'll be talking about. Next slide, please so sybil will talk more in detail about the engagement process but i just wanted to mention that we'll be working on uh, engaging the community in two parallel tracks uh, and it will be a multi-dimensional engagement effort so the first track will be a stakeholder outreach that will be for the board for tac equity working group that we've established for the ctp and existing agency committees and so that will be the stakeholder outreach and then the public outreach will be for community-based organizations and groups, individual residents and workers. So, uh, and that'll that'll be more direct outreach to those those individuals throughout the community. Um, sorry. Next slide. So this is a schedule matrix, and across the top you'll see the the both the calendar and some of the key uh, stages of the project uh, that we'll be working on, key activities from starting out with purpose and content, moving on to vision and strategies, needs assessment, and a co-benefit process. We'll be looking at how to help you prioritize projects in the future, and then moving on to the draft and final CTP coming back the end of next year for for final adoption of that. Uh, So the first uh, set of rows that you see going down are the series of stakeholder engagement activities that we'll be undertaking throughout the process. including the ad hoc committee, the TAC, and, and those other uh, public committees that we mentioned. And then below that, is the public engagement uh, or a series of public engagement activities that uh, Sybil is going to uh, describe in more detail. So with that alternative is Sybil and next slide. please.
21: Okay, thank you, chair people, uh, I mean, chairman and uh, commissioners. Um, I wanted to reiterate that I know that TAM and our project team are deeply committed to uh, public outreach and stakeholder engagement on this project. Um, We're gonna, as as Bob said, we have two parallel, but very intertwined tracks. Um, I'll talk about the stakeholder piece first, and then we'll talk about the public piece. Um, And starting right here with the board, um, we do have an ad hoc committee of of select members of the board that will help guide and, and inform our process for developing the CTP. Um, We will give you regular briefings here and with your executive committee. And um, we do have the three workshops planned. You've heard about the October 26th one, that's around visioning. Um, These walk along the same themes that Bob had just mentioned. So the next one uh, early next year will be about needs, strategies, and policies. Um, Then come summer, we will have a draft plan for you. And then we're hoping for adoption next fall. Okay, next slide. Uh, We've also set up two um, specific committees. Um, One is the technical advisory committee. Um, There's a list of some of the the members here, and we have an equity working group. The the team and Tam are both also very committed to equity. Um, The equity working group we have right now, a dozen organizations represented there, including um, equity focus groups, um, groups from the aging and disabled community. Uh, We've got teachers and workers represented, Um, tribal councils and youth representation. Okay, let's see the next slide. Okay, and as you know, um, TAM staff participate in many, many different organizations and and committees already on standing committees and so forth. Um, We are going to provide regular updates to them and also try to receive feedback from them um, as the project goes along. You know, Within TAM, we have the Citizens Oversight Committee, um, we have the Bike Ped uh, Advisory Committee, and then there's a lot of other transportation and transit agencies that we participate in. And we're hoping that those agencies and those um, members of those committees can then take our uh, messaging and information back to their re- respective constituencies. Next slide. <laughs> okay, let's shift over to the public engagement process. Um, We are, have developed a very broad range of meaningful touch points all around the county. Um, And we have detailed these in the engagement uh, plan, which I think a draft of it is in your packet. So really what I'm just giving you is a brief overview just for the interest of keeping things moving along. Okay, next slide. Uh, We are committed also to a data-driven public outreach program. Um, We would like to draw on a lot of the existing work that TAM has already done over the past decade. Um, TAM and a number of other transportation agencies in Marin County have done outreach associated with those projects. um, And we wanted to use that information as best we can to help inform and set a basis for our work here. Um, we, We went back and looked at at least a dozen of those studies we looked at not only the geographic reach of where and, and, you know, who were talked to at those, but what they had said. And um, some of it was done for very localized purposes, like the, the one-on-one interchanges. You know, those were specific interchanges. But then um, in 2017, there was a vision plan. So that's a very broad plan. You know, and the major issues that we learned about come as no surprise, you know, congestion relief and reliability of transit and bike ped safety and so forth. Um, but, next slide, we did find some new opportunities for studies now, here mm-hmm. here and now, that will help us look toward the future of, of transportation here in Marin County. Um, one thing is that there are a number of underrepresented re- regions that have we really haven't touched very much. There's been a lot of engagement done over here in the eastern part of Marin County in the urban section, but not a m- bunch in the western Marin County. Um, so there is also the uh, equity priority communities. We have CBTPs done previously. We will continue to be talking to those neighborhoods. Um, there are other underrepresented populations. Um, for example, we know that the needs of single parent households and rent, um, rent uh, burdened families, they have unique needs and we really wanna understand those for this plan. Of course, remote work patterns, excuse me. Um, You know, it's a new thing that we're going to study. We want to know whether people are open to emerging technologies and how much. And then because we have this uh, set of data to to draw from, we can look forward and see what some kind of longitudinal trends are in the data and what people are thinking about uh, as we move through time. Next slide. Again, this is a very brief overview, but our public strategy is to meet people where they are. Um, We are focusing on equity priority communities and key community organizations. We are planning four focus groups and six localized pop-up events, and we have an online survey. Um, I'll give you a bit more in in a minute, but um, go to the next slide, and I'll show you a different way that we're looking at um you know how we're tailoring activities to community needs um this is just an example this isn't the whole thing you can see the whole thing in the plan but for example on stakeholder types um, we have community-based organizations and tribal councils there's a number of different ways that we are going to touch have touch points with them same with the general public you know the general public can um, participate with the survey in person at the pop-up events And of course, the ongoing stream of communications that Molly does such a great job with um, to keep people informed. Okay, next slide. Okay, we have four focus groups planned. Um, This allows us to gain really valuable insight and take a deeper dive into certain topics. Um, We are purposely for now keeping the topics a little bit flexible so that we can explore things and topics that come up as we learn more. But for example, you know, here's some, some possible topics, community needs and challenges, obviously, priorities and preferences, accessibility. Um, and we may focus on specific types of groups, for example, the business community and their transportation needs, um, environmental and bike ped groups, and, and um, again, people over in Western Marin County. Next slide. And of course, pop-up events, we've got six. We will be doing them hopefully in conjunction with other events that are happening around to uh, gather more people and give more interest. Love having a variety of like interactive fun stuff for people to do. And um, as always, we will be providing English and Spanish and potentially other language translations. Hey, I think that's it for me. Oh, no, we have one more. The online survey, one more. um we've learned that Marin County people really like taking the online surveys they've been very successful for TAM in the past so this these will be a survey uh that will be available for everyone um it's a great opportunity to identify barriers mode shift emerging mobility and and post-COVID travels um and of course we will have language versions and we can always uh, offer paper copies um at the pop-up events in case people want to take them there All right, that's the last one for me. And I just um, wonder if you have any questions or comments.
0: Thank you for the presentation. Commissioner, questions? And this is Mayor Mayor Kate, thank you so much. Yeah,
16: no, thank you. This is really exciting. I think as much as we can build on plans that have already been done and then trying to look at the kind of holistic regional approach. I had a, a, hopefully it's not too hard of a question. When you talk about a data-driven approach like that slide specifically, what data are you gathering? Because I know it's really easy for us to say that, but I'm just curious if you have a sense of what that data might be or if that's something that will continue to work out as we refine mm-hmm. uh, the, the types of programs that we want. So maybe it's a premature question, but I was curious.
21: No, that's a very good question. Um, and for example, you know, we've done serv- like online surveys. We have hard data, like for the 101 interchanges. We did a, um, I don't know, I think we had two or 3,000 responses. Yeah you know, specific questions. So that is hard data. I mean, if we went back, you know, in a year from now and asked similar questions, we'd have a longitudinal data set. Um, Some of the other ones are not quite as definitive, but at least we have a a marker about what people were saying, you know, or maybe it was just a summary of that, that engagement. We do have that information and that's what we're using. And we've, we've tabulated it all into a, um, a nice database. So we, you know, we tagged all the the comments so that we can search our database and see, let's see, what are people saying about BytePed and where? Because we've tagged it by location and
16: by topic. So it's primarily, if I'm understanding correctly, primarily the survey and people um, giving input that way. So it's not other discrete data sets that I don't know you're pulling from
21: no, police um, no, no.
16: departments or no. traffic engineers or anything like that. Right. Okay.
21: That that's not. This is more like the community engagement right. data. Yeah.
16: Right, but it would also inform. Sorry, but it would if, like re- remote work. It will also inform because people will say one thing, but it's also what are we actually seeing?
21: Yeah, absolutely. Manifest.
16: So. That that gets combined
21: with all of Bob's data. Yeah.
6: <laughs> yeah, so there is a whole aspect of the plan that we'll be looking at travel patterns, origin destination data, that kind of thing. And we'll bring that back to the board in a separate item. And that's, you know, definitely uh, going to be key to the plan, but it is a little separate from the kind of engagement and outreach data that uh, is being referred to here.
20: did want to add one thing real quick, and I so Sybil can expand on this. But one of the things we intend to do through this process is when we get to the end of this and we bring back the CTP for adoption, we're also going to be documenting everything we've learned along the way from an engagement standpoint and essentially coming up with sort of a plan in conjunction with Molly and staff on how you can proceed going forward based on what we've learned. So kind of the best practice uh, approach. And I don't know if you want to say anything more.
21: Well, Derek asked us when we wrote our engagement plan, he said, this is going to be the model for all engagement plans going forward. It's like, Okay. (laughs)
4: so you know in, in alignment with that yeah thank you yeah i do yeah thank you um question we we had a uh, public comment asking about outreach to marin city tonight and so i've seen it that you you've got marin city in your plan and you also have the community-based transportation plan from 2015 as one of your documents but Can you say um, when we might expect some of the outreach to occur in Marin City? I see you've got community-based organizations in January and February and pop-ups in March and May. And so could you say more about that? That's right. I
21: mean, um, and, um, you know, with reference to Marin City specifically, um, I'm pretty sure that there are, and I, I don't have the list in front of me, but there will be representatives on our equity working group. So they will be engaged throughout from, you know, starting very soon um, at regular intervals. Um, The primary public-public part is next spring. And that's when we'll have pop-ups and, and, you know, survey and that kind of thing. Did that answer your question? Yeah.
7: Commissioner Katrona. Yes. Thank you so much. Uh, This is really exciting that we're moving forward with this. I had three quick things. Um, One, just to clarify, uh, on the slide, it mentioned like possible uh, interest groups that y'all would be reaching out to, one being the business community, the other being environmental groups and bike groups, and then the third being West Marin at large. Um, It said like May on the slide, but when I think about like a long-term vision for the county, I can't imagine not having some sort of roundtable or working groups uh, that involve those stakeholders so I just wanted to clarify is it like for sure that we're engaging with those communities or is it a may be yeah.
17: yeah this this is definitely evolving this is why we're not asking for adoption tonight but <laughs> the ongoing discussion um yeah I think it's easier just for staff to to think about focus groups as a, you know a deeper dive on specific subject areas um, and for us as we think about how we're going to conduct them, uh, we're definitely staff are leaning towards um, focus groups within um, like business groups or sort of subject matter experts to get that deeper dive, um, as well as just the ongoing communications channels we have with these stakeholders. We're really trying to put emphasis area on areas where we don't typically hear from those um, stakeholders. And so we know some of the usual suspects um, will be at the table and we are always happy to present to them repeatedly. Um, and that's part of the the ongoing existing communications that we do as an agency.
7: Great, um, and then two other quick things. One, um, I noticed under uh, Ag workers, y'all had Marin County Farm Bureau and United Farm Workers. I also wanted to just suggest um, the West Marin Collaborative or uh, Marin Promise Partnership is another good lead for engaging with the farm worker community. Um, then I had a third question, which is uh, on the possible locations for pop-ups for community events. Um, if we have suggestions, should we just send them to staff or what's the best pathway for getting you some suggestions? Through staff would be ideal. Yeah. Okay.
21: That'd be great, thank you.
7: Great, and then with regard to like questions or comments as it relates to the scope of um, you know, the the research, is that something we should save tonight for the workshop that's forthcoming in October or should we ask those at this time?
17: Uh, is it research related to public outreach and previous outreach, or is it research related to what do you want to see as areas for travel information and for the plan development?
7: It's probably the latter, so I suggest it. I would expect it to be at the workshop later, but just wanted to make sure. For, okay.
17: Yeah, we um, the door is always open to submit those comments, <laughs> but maybe for brevity tonight, we uh, we don't open that door.
7: Right on. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much.
17: Well played, dear.
7: Um, <laughs> Commissioner Sackett?
22: yeah thank you so, so to to tee off of um commissioner Colin as far as data sets and so forth I mean I I feel like there are a lot out there and one I think that comes to mind is like Strava or those kind of app um, apps that have a lot of data that can show us not only what people say they want as far as bike and ped but but where those um where where that use is, and and then also we are kind of when we're looking at this issue um, around injuries on bicycles, we do have some heat maps on where the inf- where we're seeing more injuries or EMS calls um, as far as kind of where where to focus potentially infrastructure improvements um, along those lines. I think medical centers are also a great place to um engage which I think is different than a than a business um to see what those transportation policies are but, but one I'm excited about this workshop I think it'll be a great opportunity um one of my questions is how do you what kind of can we do to make sure it's not stale and the example that I have right now is um the Miller Creek School District had seven bus routes and has not been able to hire drivers. So since school started, five of those routes had to be canceled. So if you go out there today, you see a whole bunch of kids riding bikes. I don't know how you plan for something like, a, like bus driver issues, but I also don't think that's a problem that's going away right now. And so how do we kind of, you know, keep things nimble enough, but also make sure that the data that's collected isn't stale by the time the report comes out?
17: great question. Um, <laughs> uh, this is our first ever countywide transportation plan, so I am hoping it's not stale on the first discussion, but <laughs> 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 um, we are going to need to have further discussions about what are the priority areas for the commission to focus on, and how do we make those relevant within our communities, um, and I think that's definitely part of this outreach plan is the outreach should inform what what the priority areas should be, and what are the messages that need to be brought forth in the plan so we know what we're considering investing in in the future. Um, So it's a little bit of an iterative process. um, And that's why I think we're glad to have board retreats and opportunities like workshops to have these discussions about what are the focus areas and if your vision and your priorities are right, it should maintain some relevancy um, for all of our communities.
6: Through the chair, if I may just add on to that. I mean, any any plan, really any document is a snapshot in time and it always does its best to capture that time and look ahead to the future and try to anticipate trends and events. Um, we do plan to update the plan periodically. So that's one way that, you know, we would continue to engage. Um, it is also the case that TAM and our partners run real-life programs that change, you know, day-to-day, week-to-week, year-to-year, and having a plan presents a guide, but it does not necessarily preclude us from continuing to administer our programs and monitor um, our investments uh, between plan updates as well.
20: The last thing that I would add, is that we envision a plan that identifies your priorities and identifies those goals and objectives and creates a process going forward where you also have monitoring of things because things do change. Uh, they've changed much more rapidly in the last five years or in the last two years than, than maybe in previous decades in my career, but things do change rapidly. So we want to give you the tool through this plan to set up a, a structure that allows you to monitor that and make adjustments consistent with your vision and your goals uh along the way so we're going to try to have our cake and eat it too with respect to that
0: mr carroll
13: yeah um a couple of questions uh the outreach to the business community are you going to be doing that to the chambers of commerce or That primary focus, or is there supplemental plan of some kind?
17: Um, When we refer to the business community, we're typically referring to chambers of commerce, but also Marin Economic Forum, Mm -hmm. uh, which represents a lot of smaller businesses within the county, as well as um, potentially the North Bay Leadership Council. So we have various um, relationships with existing um, groups or um, chambers. But
13: okay, I'm I'm curious if there's any way to get beyond that because I noticed um, I've had to deal with like three or Four chambers now. And some represent their business community very well. Everybody joins, kind of thing. And there are other communities, not mentioning names, um, where it's just kind of the elite businesses and the mom and pops and the restaurants, you know, the places that are paying lower wages have lower margins don't participate they don't feel they can afford it and those are where the workers are who need the transportation more than anybody else but those businesses aren't a part of the organized business community and I'm just throwing that out there that if there's a way you can figure out I don't have a solution but if there's a way you can figure it out I know two businesses in particular um the Zen Center at Green Gulch and Pelican Inn at Muir Beach, uh, if their employees don't have a car, nobody shows up for work. And if the one person who owns the car is sick or has an accident, nine of six employees don't show up for work. You know, And so you know how do you reach those kinds of, of businesses and include them? The other thing, uh, I've been doing a lot of research on our aging population and health issues um, and I found like the Marin community clinics have been doing a tour of all their clinics. Uh, i talked to people at Kaiser, Marin general, and Sutter health, and all of them have transportation coordinators. And they work primarily for their patients, but also there's the issue of the employee transportation for those communities. And there's been some dramatic changes for them, um, and I, it didn't occur to me until last week when I was talking to um, the community clinics in Larkspur and Green Ray, I don't take, I own a cab company, I don't take anybody to South Alisio anymore for medical appointments. People are being forced to go to Sutter facilities in San Francisco or UC facilities in Mission Bay or up and Kaiser patients, uh, cancer patients, are having to go up to Petaluma and Rohnert Park. For their treatments now so there's been a real change i mean it used to be half my medical appointments were to south aliceo and after talking with them i realized i hadn't seen one in about since covid started in three years so there's been a dramatic change in the medical transportation needs so that's just something i'd offer is to contact those organizations and talk to their transportation coordinators and see get their input that's it thank you public comment it's
8: been fascinating information um I'd just like to say as a member of the Marin City Community Services District Board uh, that you can get in touch with us. We meet uh every month, sometimes twice a month. And but there's also an active Marin City Council of Organizations that meets monthly. Uh, you talk about the equity groups, those are groups made up of a county. Those aren't community-based organizations. So I wanted to let you know that hey, there's outreach arm. You know, just reach out. Okay. What the other thing was is that Uh, When I look at Marin City and the fact that we have the highest chronic disease rate and highest disability rate, when you're looking at transportation, we have to take those special populations into consideration. The other thing that you want to look at is because we have periodic flooding. And when that happens, the buses stop and folks are outside of the community and have to uh, sludge through all of that contaminated water to get in. And many times it's our high school students, it's our elementary school students. There aren't any buses, there aren't anything that's going to actually work to um, help to bring folks into the community. The other issue is folks that um, have to go to the specialty doctors, they can't get out. So I would love to have a discussion with you all in terms of, along with Army Corps of Engineers that's been working with us, on how we can provide access to those specialized populations.
10: Hello again. Um, thank you for the report. Lots of information to catch up on, and I appreciate it. I um, was in the last 10 years. I've uh, probably witnessed, uh, watched, viewed, read uh, probably three to four dozen um, different presentations and reports regarding uh, community outreach to run city for different reasons. Um, easily thirty to forty to fifty, and in these presentations, uh, bullet points they always have. Rent city, underserved communities. Rent city is always highlighted, but I think it's safe to say that, which each one of those, none of those, uh, presentations, none of those, the objectives were not met. Burn City was left out. Um, the outreach is never fulfilled. Uh, the promises uh, are not kept and we're scrambling and we're emailing. People know we're coming. They know we're going to email. They expect it because reaching Burn City has not been important. Um, so what I'm saying here is I hope what you have in this presentation, and I trust that uh, what I'm reading and seeing is legit. Marin City has a lot going on. We know some of us up here, uh, a, a few of you, I met mean, maybe all of you know that Marin City is right now is a political hotbed. It's a lot going on, lots going on. Uh, all of it is, doesn't meet the eye. You don't really hear about it a lot. Um, you hear about it a little little bit, but there's a lot going on in Ren City. So please uh keep up the engagement within Ren City. Thank you. One last thing. CSD board, please reach out to Terry Green for any
1: online
12: comments? Yes. Clayton Smith, please unmute. This is a response to uh, Kevin Carroll's comment about uh, Green Gulch and the Pelican Inn. Um, My brother-in-law once uh, ran a manufacturing facility in Sao Paulo, Brazil, for um, Parker Hannifin, And um, what they had to do in that particular facility is they were responsible, and this is true in many countries. Business has to pick people up and bring them to work. And then they have to take them back. I know we have a a different situation in the urban corridor. But these businesses that are out on the far side of Marin, starting with Muir Beach and going on up the coast, I think they have to basically somehow or another account within their business model for providing either housing that's proximate to where they're Uh, business location is, or transportation for people to come to and from their businesses, because this is something I don't think that belongs um, in the public domain, or something I think the taxpayers uh, have to uh, basically uh, come up with the money to support. Uh, Secondly, I wonder who's going to run these focus groups you're talking about. I have a great suspicion it's gonna be the usual suspect, uh, David Parisi, which I think uh, has done so much lame work and deceptive work in this county that I would really hope that we would not have him on the payroll again, particularly when you're designing uh, this uh, countywide plan. What he's done in Southern Marin, I think has not been very helpful.
0: Thank you. Jennifer, any additional public comment online?
1: Chair, I don't see any other hands raised at this time.
0: All right, so this is just a discussion item, correct? And so do my fellow commissioners have any closing comments they'd care to share? All right, seeing none, thank you very much for the report and to my commissioners for the discussion. We'll now move on to item eight. This is approval of Marin County's project list for Plan barrier 2050. This is an action item.
6: Derek, you're still here.
17: <laughs> All you. I think I'm glued to the seat at this point. Um, we are seeking um, authorization to submit to MTC a letter of um, our, our project submittal list for consideration in MTC's upcoming Plan Bay Area 2050 Plus. Um, Next slide, please. A little bit about Plan Bay Area. It's the uh, federal and state required plan that is required to be updated every four years. That brings us a cycle for this plan to be updated by fall of 2025 to very short years for a lot of work that needs to be done. Um, And that's made even more challenging by an additional planning effort for this cycle Um, MTC is now moving forward with um, an update, a limited and focused update to Plan Bay Area called Plan Bay Area 2050 Plus. It's limited and focused for two reasons. They're focusing on updating plan assumptions, which we'll talk a little bit about, as well as there's no regional housing needs allocation process uh, because that process occurs on an eight year cycle. So not included in this year's, uh, this cycle's plan. Um, And then there is a new planning effort called Transit 2050 Plus, which is really a service-oriented, fiscally constrained vision for the transportation network for the 9 Bay Area County, given the um, significant needs um, in our transit operating space, um, from commute pattern changes, as well as a reduction in anticipated revenues from loss of ridership um, and changing travel patterns. Next slide, please. So a little bit about plan barrier 2050 plus, um, MTC is expecting to develop a plan scenar- a preferred scenario this time by ne- next year, by November of 2024, with uh, environmental process starting immediately afterwards, uh, leading to adoption the following um, November of 2025. They organize this plan across four plan elements. We typically focus on the transportation strategies um, and we submit projects to for consideration within the transportation um, element of the plan. However, um, most of the projects we do submit um, fall into what are considered programmatic categories and they're exempt from extensive project performance assessments and any benefit cost calculations. I'll talk a little bit more about that in a future slide. Um, Other updates that are underway for the plan, um, there are new PDAs identified. However, there are no new PDAs identified in Marin County. Um, I believe we're up to four in the county, we've doubled them in the last plan process. Um, and this round of plan development will have new priority sites, um, which just recently, com- I think it's completed tomorrow, uh, their nomination process. We have new priority sites identified by the county of Marin. Um, I believe there's three that were submitted, uh, two in Corta Madera, as well as some in San Rafael, potentially, depending on staff's availability to get those in. Um, so there's still, uh, some, uh, there will be new priority sites that are really high, um, higher concentrations of housing units being proposed, um, at certain locations. Next slide, please. One of the plan assumptions or two of the plan assumptions that I want to talk a little bit more in detail tonight, um, relate to housing and job forecasts. Um, On the the left-hand side of the screen are growth forecasts for household units. Um, The TAM model, which was required to be consistent um, with Plan PlanBerry 2040, um, it's not required to be consistent. We aim for consistency in alignment with MTC guidelines. Um, These forecasts that are developed in the plans have implications on our travel model, um, future traffic traffic studies, as well as our countywide transportation plan. Um, our travel model, the last time it was updated, um, was allocated a growth forecast between 2015 and 2040 of 5,500 or 5,600 housing units. Uh, rena that we all just survived, and are, some of us are still surviving, um, are forecasting a growth of eight years of 14,000 housing units. Um, the last round of plan barrier 2050 forecasted 40,000 housing units, which is roughly in alignment with three cycles of RENA. Um So as we think about our long range planning processes, it's beyond the RENA process, it's a higher level, uh, commensurate with uh, potentially three RENA cycles um, by 2050. And interestingly enough, um, as the plan updated its jobs forecast in the last round, we saw a reduction of over almost 13,000 jobs in the county being forecasted by MTC. Um, That really was out of alignment with previous plans um, and our travel model, which has a forecast growth of 8,500 jobs. Um, We are hoping to have further conversations with MTC around these jobs and housing growth forecasts in this plan cycle. Um, I would note the DOF is uh, projecting a 25,000 job growth between 2015 and 2050. So there is a pretty wide range of jobs and housing forecasts out there, uh, and we are very interested in uh, coordinating so we know what we should be consistent for and realistically planning for in the county. Next slide, please. A little bit more about Transit 2050 Plus, Um, the plan itself uh, and the last plan had uh, had 406 billion identified in transit strategies. Most of this is fix it first or operations and maintenance of the existing system. Um, but the uh, Transit 2050 Plus is really looking at a market assessment to understand where uh, regional travel markets exist for transit and what services may be needed to meet that transit market. Um, and they have developed draft goals for um, developing this plan. And our transit operators um, can influence this project through um, concepts um, that advance that market analysis, but also through our call for projects. Uh, And we closely coordinated with our transit operators on our call for projects um, that is in front of us today. Uh, Next slide, please. So we worked with our public works operators and transit operators to develop the list that's included as attachment B. Um, A lot of this was submitted to MTC Um, when they requested for updates of existing projects back in June. They requested that we consider new projects by September 29th, by tomorrow, um, and those projects need to be new capacity increasing projects, um, which add lanes to either the arterial or highway system. Typically, we don't have a lot of those types of projects in the county. Um, We have had a couple though, and I will point them out on the next slide, um, or projects that are over 250 million. These are required for federal funding um, requirements as well as for CEQA analysis. So we wanna make sure we identify those projects in this plan um, and they do go through an extensive cost benefit analysis. Um, So we try to not go through uh, those projects. We want them in the plan, but not through this performance review process if we can uh, in a lot of cases. So with that in mind, we are requesting that we submit two new projects for consideration Um, a countywide signal upgrade project, which really uh, would need further planning and scoping to understand exactly where those uh, transportation improvements may occur and what the benefit of those transportation improvements would be, um, as well as uh, transit enhancements to meet uh, the new PDAs and the priority site designations in the county. Um, This is really in alignment with making sure that new housing elements um, Or housing opportunity sites or PDAs or priority sites have opportunities to have reliable and frequent transit service. um, And not relying solely on single occupancy vehicles next slide. Programmatic categories is typically how we get our projects into the plan, these are um, typically active transportation projects intersection improvements uh, most of what's in our capital improvement programs as cities. Um, minor streetscape and transit capital projects are typically what we see. um, And these are all typically included in the plan and can access regional, state and federal funding. Next slide. The existing projects in the plan are the larger projects that add capacity. So things like the Marin Sonoma Narrows, which have added an HOV lane. We thought we didn't need to include in this plan, but we are requesting that it is included due to ongoing utility relocation and landscape um, uh, and mitigation monitoring requirements for that project. We're hopeful this will be the last time Marinstone Narrows is included in our project list. Um, But also uh, another smaller project, but adds capacity is Nevada Boulevard, which is a measure A major road project. Uh, So a longstanding investment from our local transportation sales tax. Uh, We're also including in the project to make sure they can continue towards construction, um, even though they have a complete CEQA document at this period. Uh, there are a variety of other projects. Sanerville Transit Center, an uh, older free, uh, ferry service frequency boost, along with a new ferry vehicle and express bus service by the Golden Gate Bridge Highway and Transportation District, as well as uh 101 580 interchange multimodal local access improvement project and the various other projects identified on this chart. Um, State Route 37, as we move forward to construction or to um, delivering improvements on that, uh, we're also requesting to be included in the plan. Next slide, please. Um, New for this process is the uh, consideration of this resiliency project list, which was developed through the MTC, ABAG, BCDC, uh, Sea Level Rise Adaptation Funding and Investment Framework. We've reviewed this framework and the project list um, for all of our known sea level rise projects in the county and um, they are included as part of the environmental plan element of the plan. Um, Next slide, please. So next steps, uh, we are asking for authorization to submit the project list, uh, which is really just the two projects uh, mentioned earlier, the county signal improvements, as well as the new transit enhancements to PDAs and priority sites. Uh, We will be continuing to coordinate with MTC on the development of this project list uh, on some of the revenue forecast and elements of the planning process that get developed. They will uh, continue to coordinate with us as they develop their draft transportation element, which is developed in winter and spring. And then that gets lumped into a preferred transportation element in summer for a preferred scenario in November of this year. Um, And I would like to point out my excellent photoshop job adding a plus to the cover of their previous documents so um with that we are seeking authorization tonight uh for the project list and happy to answer any questions derek you've never been funnier
0: (laughs) 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 it is definitely your night commissioner questions Uh, commissioner molten peters
4: yeah oh no, no, you go first. Okay, so uh, quick question. So, there's on our list of projects on page 133, I think it is in our packet. Uh, there are five Golden Gate Bridge District projects, and I wanted to understand uh, there's no dollar values with them. So, we're just submitting names, not dollar values. Is that correct?
17: We submitted dollar values where they were provided by the project sponsors back in June. I did not include them in this list because I wasn't sure how realistic they were and further conversation may be needed about some of them. Um, For example, there are unknowns related to their new ferry vehicle and what the car requirements are for replacement of that vehicle. um, And that will severely impact project finances. We also don't have a revenue forecast from MTC at this point, which we typically do. So we're trying to fit within a revenue forecast as well.
4: And did, did have any of these projects appeared on prior uh, lists from yes. Marin County?
17: These were all priorly included in Plan Bay Area. Okay. For instance, I wasn't
4: aware the Larkspur Ferry parking garage was back on the table as an active project, so that, that was interesting. Um, Okay, and then do these need to appear in a strategic plan or some other document to be submitted by an agency?
17: No. Um, The only thing that they're seeking at this point are new capacity increasing projects. Um, I would say we need to have project sponsors identified. um, And typically, there's a desire to move forward with projects because specifically in this plan, there are severe financial constraints given the shape of the transit system and the revenue forecast. Um, So MTC is suggesting that any new projects may result in other projects coming out of the plan. Commissioner Kahn.
16: Thank you. So under the new projects that are being submitted, uh, the, the PDA, which San Rafael has two, as we all know, because I bring it up whenever I can. Um, So there's a canal, we have a canal-based transportation plan. So can you talk to how that plan, which is so well done, very robust, lots of community engagement, how that intersects with this?
17: Sure. Um, The canal community-based transportation plan and all community-based transportation plans identify community-identified priorities for that community. Uh, Typically what we see in those plans are sidewalk improvement projects, lighting projects, projects that are not $250 million or add significant capacity. There are often transit service um, projects that are included, um, and those are usually dealt with within the existing revenue and operations of their service. It's not like a a large capacity increasing project. Um, So typically they fall under the programmatic categories. And I would note that you have three PDAs.
16: Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so, so just to add to follow up on that, um, the capacity. So the fact that the 580, 101, Bellum, all those, because those are capacity related, but those have already been on there. So they, okay. Yes. I mean, we can underscore, bold them going forward
5: yeah
17: go ahead
6: well I I mean the the list the attachment B list on page 133 does break down the projects in terms of existing projects which means they were in the last plan and then the new projects which were not in the last plan which we're now proposing Um, and I just want to come back if I might to um, the transit frequency increase and enhancements to PDA and priority sites new project which is really a placeholder at this point just anticipating that if you know the pdas and priority sites move forward there would probably be enough of a need for enough new transit service Mm -hmm. that it would not just fall into this kind of existing programmatic transit category it would be uh, more extensive than that but we don't know what it is yet so there will be probably a lot you know many years probably of sort of planning and development for that but we did want to identify it as an as a new need based on the PDA and priority site designations.
16: Thank you. Thank you, Chair.
0: Commissioner Balce.
18: Yes. So the other new project on your list is an update of all of the countywide signals. And I'm wondering if these are supposed to be smart signals and if you're considering a smart city approach for transit in part of the funding, because there are signals that can monitor traffic and adjust accordingly. And we have a lot of Know there are a number of places in my community where that would be helpful and then add on to that question as well in, in the resilience projects around uh, sea level rise adaptation. There's also a number of new technologies that measure water uh, going and coming essentially using smart signals. And, and I just would hope or ask that there would be some consideration for smart city integration, at least on the smart signals, if not on the resiliency projects.
17: Uh, On the smart signals, the project is so preliminary, we haven't really outlined what the scenarios are. But yes, we are definitely looking at um, advancing some of the make ready infrastructure that's been installed um, on various projects. And there have been a fair amount of them within the county, notably Sir Francis Drake, as well as integration of the various cities. So there's different opportunities to advance smart signals in different portions of the county potentially and that's one of the elements that we would need to work through in a planning phase thank you
0: commissioner carroll
13: um i'm curious we already have the 101 580 uh, on the list and but we're still in preliminary but if the traffic studies come back whatever my concern is Why we're having to do the 101-580 project now is because 40 years ago at some point, they didn't really make the connectors up to federal and state highway standards and speeds. And the three alternatives we're considering now are the same. They don't meet the federal and state connection speeds. They're less than. So there's going to be some traffic implications. And that's why Larchsburg expressed so much concern about wanting to see that report. It's because we want to see how this will improve. So I'm curious if the report comes back and there's not a dramatic improvement, we feel. um, How do we get that? addressed in the future do we want it to be a part of the 2050 or is it just something we're going to have to deal with at a later date and start all over
17: again i, I wouldn't mind taking a first stab at this <laughs> but um the one way to think of Plan bay area is a gateway to access regional state and federal funds um that project um and the decisions in front of the board in terms of the design and the alternatives that the board wants to advance um, regardless of what alternative they are, you probably want the flexibility to access those funds at some point. And so the action of including it in the project uh, list uh, doesn't preclude you from any design alternatives. It just allows that project to continue to advance the project development process. Okay, so that was
13: my concern Was this. So we're in the queue, so to speak. And if the studies indicate we need better we're in a position to to continue with yeah okay that's what that was my concern thank you
5: uh vice chair lucan uh thank you derek just a, a couple questions looking at uh attachment or item eight attachment b the project list are we just submitting the ones where we are the project sponsor or is this the full list that we're submitting including other project sponsors
17: So for tonight's action, uh, we are just including the list where we have already included all of the existing projects Mm -hmm. um, in the plan. Those were due to MTC in June, um, and I probably should have clarified that on the attachment, apologies for any confusion on that. What we're submitting is the new projects, um, and there are only two new projects from TAM. The other one is already in the plan because it's MTC's uh, and BCDC's project. Okay, (laughs)
5: Um, and the reason I asked, and maybe you could talk about coordination with other agencies. um, Putting my smart hat on here, Um, Healdsburg for SMART is not in Plan Bay Area yet. We've been able to secure millions of dollars to get there, but there's still a funding gap. Were there any conversations with SMART about, you know, do we do we put them in to give them help? I know they're requesting it as well, and. Um, kind of what's the thought around that? Yeah
17: for SMART given that it's a multi-county project that typically because that project location's in Sonoma County Sonoma County TA works with SMART to submit that project list Um, we've conferred with SMART they did not request us to submit it in our project list this cycle so I assume that that piece will be completed by Sonoma County but SMART will also have the opportunity to include that within the transit 2050 plus as a concept um, and submit it directly to mtc the transit operators are slightly weird they can choose to go through county transportation agencies or submit directly to mtc
5: okay i'm partially asking so our mtc commissioner hears that question as well when uh yes. the <laughs> decision when the decision comes <laughs> um yeah actually yeah the other one um i see on an existing project we have state route 37 interim project um what about the ultimate project or would that fall under the sea level rise adaptation infrastructure that is <laughs>
17: somebody's getting a little greedy tonight <laughs> so under the previous plan the interim project was included in the transportation element of the plan and the ultimate which is not physically constrained was included as part of the envi- environmental phase of the plan so for this plan, it hasn't been made clear how MTC will treat the ultimate project. Right now, what we are requesting is that our projects in segment A, that are sea level rise projects that have funding can move forward um, and continue to access the regional and state and federal funds that we need to deliver the improvements in Marin County. Uh, we will continue to coordinate with MTC about how they're treating the ultimate project um, and well, I, I would even say that some of this nomenclature is four years
6: old yeah, now exactly. or several years old, dating back to the last plan. There's, there's, In the Marin County portions, this distinction between interim and ultimate is sort of going away. And so uh, we will definitely be working with MTC to make sure that the current project vision
5: is included in the plan as much as possible. Okay. And uh, just switching to comments, if, if that's okay. Well, or we want to finish questions first.
0: I think we should finish questions and go to public comment. Okay. So
5: uh,
0: Jennifer, online public comment, please.
1: Yes, Matthew Hartzell, please unmute.
11: Thank you. It's very disappointing to see the Larkspur Ferry parking garage project on this list. Um, This is really a a backwards project that takes Marin back to the 21st century. And this is supposed to be planned 2050 plus. We don't need more parking. We have enough parking at the Larkspur Ferry Terminal. It's one of the largest parking lots in Marin County. The Larkspur Ferry Terminal is also one of the largest generators of vehicle trips and traffic congestion in Marin County and the cause of one of the biggest traffic backups on Highway 101 in Marin County. Um, we really should be thinking about other ways, multimodal ways all transportation alternatives to get people from their homes to the ferry terminal. Um, buses, the smart train, um, bikeways. Um, Right now, Larkspur Ferry Terminal has the name Larkspur in it, but there's no all ages and abilities way for people to get from Larkspur or Corte Madera to the ferry terminal because there is still an unfunded gap in the north-south greenway between the main part of Larkspur and the ferry terminal. It's called the southern segment. That would be a much cheaper project to increase access to the ferry terminal by finishing that segment than building a new parking garage. So I don't know if Tam has the ability to remove that from this list, but um, I just want to express my very extreme disappointment and say that this, this project is not a forward thinking project. Thank you.
0: Next public comment, Jennifer, please.
1: Clayton Smith, please unmute.
12: Plan Bay Area is a local implementation of Agenda 21, which is a top-down community development paradigm that effectively de-democratizes local control in the community development process. The key word is always compliance, and it's the tell that exposes its authoritarian nature. It's the brainchild of the World Economic Forum otherwise known as the billionaire Davos uh, crowd made up of the global elites and their minions and governments everywhere. Their most recent promotion is creating 15-minute cities and I fear that this is the unstated goal ultimately of Plan Bay Area. The first rollout of this agenda has been in the UK and is waking The people there are up to the government's disregard of public sensibilities, and they are meeting widespread public pushback. My issue is how Planned Bay Area plays into this countywide transportation plan in a stealth manner, creating a 15-minute Marin without open, transparent public notice and discussion. Once again, I'm saddened to see something with such wide-reaching impacts on the future of our lifestyles here, proceeding with virtually no public knowledge of it. Although I do think when we look at all these tightening up of our roads with these bike lanes that have taken away our emergency pull-off areas, people are beginning to suspect there's something else involved, and it's not being spoken about. Thank you.
0: And Jennifer, any additional public uh, comment online?
1: I don't see any further comments at this time.
0: So let's bring it back here for comments and disposition. Vice Chair Lucan, I believe you wanted to offer some comments?
5: Yeah, I'd, I'd actually uh, defer to our, our staff here on on how would we clean up the nomenclature around State Route 37, because it does seem odd to me that we have the interim project in here, which is outside of Marin, but maybe we're not highlighting the remaining sections of the ultimate project that would be within Marin, um, particularly on segment A around the uh, 101-37 interchange, as well as Novato Creek Bridge to Atherton. So how how can we make sure that that, those remaining segments that are at least in Marin are at the same level as a portion of the project that is outside of Marin?
6: So, Commissioner and Derek, you can confirm. I don't think this was intended to be the project that's outside of Marin. I think, you know, if you'll recall, at one point there was an interim project in Marin and an ultimate project in the whole corridor as well. And that language is, you know, changing as we speak. The environmental document for the State Route 37 segment A1 is out for review right now. Marin, uh, MTC staff is very well aware of the developments on the 37 corridor, and we'll be working with them to make sure that the projects that are currently contemplated are reflected in this plan.
5: Okay, and, and would it maybe be more appropriate to just list it as State Route 37 and leave it open for anything? I look, we've got Marin Sonoma Omineros on the list just as that. It's it's pretty broad. Maybe we just put State Route 37.
17: Yeah, I would say in addition that MTC is actually submitting State Route 37. And so we want to make sure we're coordinating with them on what's included in that. Um, we definitely want the Marin segment A ultimate, sorry, I can go back the high, the sea level rise protection project in Marin to move forward, um, as well as the remainder of the corridor. So um, we didn't rec- we didn't include it in our list as a new project because it was already in the plan and MTC was submitting it directly. Um, And we can come back on nomenclature potentially of how to make that happen, because I think your intent is in alignment with what staff is. Yeah,
5: I I don't want to be so prescriptive exactly tonight, but I think maybe when we make the motion or if, if it's time for that to, you know, give give staff the authority to, you know, make those minor adjustments to make sure everybody's saying the same thing and keep our options open. Yeah, thank you.
0: Additional comments. Uh, Vice Chair, would you care to make the motion? So I
5: I will make the motion that we adopt the uh, um, project list, but also give discretion uh, to staff to make, you know, minor adjustments to line up with other submittals where it's, you know, in the best interest of TAM. Second. First by Vice Chair Lucan, second by
0: Commissioner Catrano. Jennifer, the roll?
1: Commissioner Beckman? Yes. Commissioner Blaustein? Yes. Commissioner Carroll? Yes. Commissioner Collin. Aye. Commissioner Cotrano. Yes. Commissioner Farrak. Yes. Commissioner Fredericks. Yes. Commissioner Chemnitzer. Yes. Commissioner Cool.
7: Yes. Commissioner
1: Malton Peters. Yes. Commissioner Perez. Yes. Commissioner Rice. Yes. Commissioner Berdoni. Yes. Commissioner Sackett. Yes. Vice Chair Lucan. Yes. Chair Colbert.
0: Yes. Now I move on to our final uh, discussion item of the night, the presentation on transportation funding 101.
6: All right. If I did just say a couple words about this while Dave gets settled here, um, relieving Derek finally of his uh, seat. Um, so this is another installment in the TAM Academy series of presentations. You may recall we covered project development and planning last spring, and now we're going to um, go through transportation funding. So the 101 is not a reference to highway 101. It's to course number 101 um, And given the late hour there will be no quiz and no grading of this subject But uh, we just wanted to bring it to you to give a little more context on some of the funding discussions that we have here So Dave Chan it will be presenting this item uh,
23: good, good evening everybody uh, Dave Chan uh, Director of Programming, I'm gonna give a pretty high overview of transportation funding. Um, Next slide, please. Um, Transportation funding can be very confusing. Uh, Why? Because there's different sources, federal, state, regional, local, and even private funds. Um, It's confusing because there's a lot of agency, uh, CTC, STA, uh, you name it. There's just a lot of multitude of agency that governs uh, transportation funding. An acronym, a lot of acronym. I, I'm starting to think that transportation is only second to the military in acronyms. Um, stip, tip, pop, shop, you name it. It's, up, it's, it's right there. Um, rules, the rules are not stagnant. Uh, these funding have rules. They change over cycle. They change from time to time. And uh, we have to expect them to change. Uh, estimate, the funding amount, fluctuate, uh, they constantly fluctuate. Uh, you know, in the past, a funding source may be considered adequate, and then later on, it's considered inadequate. So, you know, all this leads to confusion in uh, transportation funding. Next slide, please. Um, the primary sources of funding is, it's kind of difficult to see, but um, uh, there are three sources that's collected primarily from federal, state, and local. Uh, what f- the state is primarily a uh, fuel tax, at the, I mean, sorry, at the federal level, it's primarily fuel tax. At the state level, it's fuel tax, uh, sales on diesel tax, and vehicle registration. And then at the local level, it's primarily uh, lo- uh, sales tax and some vehicle registration. Um, the bulk of the funding at the f- uh, federal and at the state level uh, are collected uh, on fuel tax that's based on per gallon sold. Um, therefore, obviously, eighteen cents that's collected in the nineteen seventies not the same as eighteen cents collected today. The buying power over time has diminished greatly, um, and um, the the under the state SB one starting to index some of these taxes, but still the majority of the fuel tax that's collected at the state and federal level are based on per gallon sold. Um, next, please. So what you see is a chart of the approximate percentage of funding, uh, 60% from local, roughly, 5% from regional, 20% from state, and 15% from federal government. Um, there's a This is really an inverse triangle from the past. In the old days, you have a regular triangle where you have 30% uh, local funding, and then 70% is from state and federal. Now you have a dependence on local funding, uh, roughly about 60%, and then the federal government and state government contribute about 35%. Very different from the past, particularly from the 60s and the 70s and the 80s. Uh, What does that mean? It means greater dependency on local funds to maintain not only local asset, but also state asset as well. Next, please. Decision maker for transportation funding, um, which leads to some of the confusion is that there's a a decentralized system. There's no one agency that makes all the decision on funding. And even within the source, it depends whether it's formulated or competitive, and there could be different decision maker on those funds as well. Uh, But on the right, you see a chart where the primary decision maker for federal funds includes uh, FTA, uh, FHWA, Caltrans and MTC. And the reason MTC is listed is because they uh program and administer federal funds through the OBAG or One Bay Area Program that many of you have heard over heard of over the past. And then at the state level, um, you have a multitude of decision makers, including the legislature, uh, California Transportation Commission, uh, CAR, Caltrans, uh, MTCF as, as well. And then at the local level, at the regional and local level. Uh, you have MTC BATA. uh you have the CMA which is uh Tam for Marin and also obviously uh the local cities and county and transit operator next slide please uh this is kind of an interesting slide uh it's the diminishing power of, of a few and it's one of two prong really on the left you have a chart where you have an increase in VMT growth, which obviously means that more VMT means a a tax on your local infrastructure, meaning require more maintenance. And then also you have a a increase in fuel economy. So uh, obviously fuel economy of today's vehicle is a lot better than it was in the past. And so it creates a gap in the buying power of the funds that's collected by uh, fuel tax. And then on 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 the right, it's the second prong, um, you have fuel tax in state that are primarily based on coll- uh, the collected on uh, per gallon sold. And again, as I mentioned, uh, over time, the, diminish- the power of those uh, revenue collected has really diminished. They're not indexed for the most part. Uh, and to increase fuel taxes require uh, legislative action. Uh, Congress at the federal level and the state legislature at the state level. Uh, New model are being considered to close that gap, uh, including road users charge. And also there's proposal to increase uh, vehicle registration for electric vehicle because they obviously don't pay at the pump. Next slide, please. So the major sources of funding for Marin uh, local level, we have measure A, uh, we have measure B, And then we also have Measure A, that extended Measure A. And then we also get a little bit of city and county fee. At the regional level, um, most of the money is collected through bridge toll, but we also get a little bit of TFCA, which is transportation fund for clean air and a little bit of TDA. Uh, Both these funds amount to about 600,000 a year. So it helps, but it's not as significant. And then at the state level, for many years, the state has not contributed to transportation funding, but SB1 has kind of changed that, stabilized some of the state funding, uh, and this is what's passed in 2017. And then at the federal level, um, Congress approved the IIJA back in 2021, and that also stabilized federal funding. Next slide, please. Um, however, as I mentioned, um, the bread and butter for annual expenditure on local on transportation funding is local funds. Um, We're fortunate at MOIN to have uh, both Measure A and AA. Measure A started collecting in 2005. uh, And it was, I'm sorry, Measure A was started collecting in 2005, and it was extended by Measure AA. We currently collect about $35 million Amount of funding that we collect under Measure AA generally reflects the strength of the economy. When the economy goes up, we collect more. When the economy goes down, we collect less. Eighty-three uh, percent of Measure AA uh, is distributed to formula, uh, and roughly about seventeen percent are based on discretionary. And Measure AA is set to expire in uh, twenty forty-nine. Uh, and Measure A. Uh, funds the four categories that you see in the chart. Measure B funds three primary element. Uh, we started collecting these funds in 2021. Uh, we get about 2.3 million. Uh, it's based on the number of vehicle register. The money from Measure B is very predictable. It's very stable. It doesn't fluctuate uh, much. And approximately 75% of all the funding goes through a formula base and 25% for discretionary. And this fund goes in perpetuity, so there's no expiration. Next, please. Um, Under the state, uh, SB1 is really a godsend because it really stabilized the amount of funding that we get from the state that was noticeably absent for about 15 years. So uh, it increased and stabilized state funding at about, approximately 5.4 billion and some of the funds in sb1's index so that was something that was uh something that we really wanted to see and it, it came to fruition under sb1 uh it's intended for state and local roads goods movement public transit and uh and uh quite a bit of money for active transportation uh and here's one bullet local marine trans uh jurisdiction receive about 21 million million dollar annually for local streets and roads and that's because of SB one next slide please uh this is the federal iija i'm not going to get into this because we have planned for you next month a more detailed presentation on iija not just on the basic of iija but also to get into Uh, projects in Marin that we think are a good candidate for this funds. But as you can see, IIJA includes more than transportation. It includes uh, airport, water, broadband, but nearly 70% of all the funding from IIJA is going to transportation. Uh, And really, IIJA stabilized federal funding through fiscal year 26. Uh, In the Bay Area, we get that money through the MTC One Bay Area grant and uh i a j a really substantially increased the competitive grant program that's available next slide please um you know, having said all this, i want to talk about new model for funding transportation um there's a lot has changed for funding transportation, but um there's a a growing expectation uh, that There's a self-reliance that counties and local agencies help themselves by imposing uh, county county transportation sales tax and also vehicle registration fee, which uh, Marin has, uh, developer fees. And then even at the local level, uh, states and county are uh, assessing sales tax on themselves for transportation. Uh, The next bullet is leveraging. um, Contributing local funds to a project will attract other funds uh, there's a strategy from some to perhaps fund the initial stage of a project get it through environmental maybe even get it through shovel ready and what that will attract other state federal funds because there's less risk that is involved when a project is funded through that stage and also uh, aggressively seek competitive fund competitive grants and earmarks when they're available. And we're starting to see earmarks become available in the last three years. So uh, we're aggressively trying to get this project in line for some of those funds. Uh, And then a a pretty important bullet here is when an application is not chosen, but it's maybe near the top of the uh, in points, but not quite there, uh, we want the applicant, the city to continue to apply because sometimes that helps. We tried to get the city to have a conversation with the uh grants administrator, ask them for constructive criticism and how to improve this application and apply again. I, I don't know if it's a coincidence or it's a cause and effect, but uh this past year with the regional ATP, we did that last year. We went to the CTC and sat down with them, with the your your city uh, city public works director. And, went through each of the application and they gave us really good uh, direction and criticism on how to improve the application. And sure enough, we got $10 million, close to $10 million this year under the regional ATP. So coincident, I don't know, it certainly helped to get them to listen to what is important to the people reading the application. And then partnership is very important for, particularly with larger uh, projects maybe in the range of 10 million plus to have partnership. You develop partnership with the state, with regional agency, and also with other local agency. Uh, And it's also important to educate a decision maker on project. Let them know ahead of time what these projects are. We develop fact sheets. We circulate these fact sheets to a key legislature so that they're not hearing it for the first time. They might, Maybe they heard about this project two years ago, and it sticks with them. Uh, again, it's very important in these days to gain low uh, support from the community. A lot of the funding administrator want to know that you have support from a uh, local community. And then the last thing is performance. And I, I want to emphasize delivery performance from the past matter because uh, what they don't want to see is that a project got funded, but the applicant had problem delivering. They missed that line. They don't ask for reimbursement. And it's... The state developed a list of projects that are delinquent, and if you're not on that list, you have a better chance, particularly when there's a two project being weighted out. One with a sponsor that's half delivered and one that hasn't. It might be the tipping point for getting your project funded. Next, please. Uh, this is kind of a stream case. and an example of a project that kind of Exemplify all that I've talked about leveraging (laughs) partnership. This is the Marine Sonoma Nails. It received funding from all four level, and even within each funding, there's multiple groups of funding sources uh, in order to make this project happen. And there was a lot of uh, partnership developing uh, with all the agency to make this happen. Uh, Next slide, please. So when you and your staff are thinking about applying for a grant uh you tend to look at the criteria what is it that they're looking for um i highlighted uh bca benefit cost analysis that's kind of a big deal nowadays because it's a very data-driven intense uh analysis and uh, a lot of times your public works director will look at whether or not that is required uh, and then we we look at the scope and how it aligns with the project criteria. Uh, we look at project ready, readiness. Uh, it's very important to make sure that your project is in line with the funding source. Uh, and we also, uh, they sometimes look at pro- whether a project is shovel ready because the less risk that they have with a project, maybe there's some environmental issue that might cause that project to not go forward. They want to look at some of these issues. And if your project is uh, considered shovel ready or has less risk, then you have a better chance of getting your project funded. Um, And then cost. Some of the grants that we're considering or talked about may have anywhere from 11.5% to 50% uh, match. And so for a smaller agency, requiring a 50% match may be a little too difficult. Have, we have to consider that also and then competitiveness uh many of these funding sources have been uh in an issue for many cycles so we kind of know what project are competitive based on the amount of money that's available and the number of projects that's that's uh that have been submitted in the past so we weigh that in in considering how competitive an application may be and then uh time and cost to prepare this application it takes a lot of times and if you're going out to uh, seek a consultant to put these together it could cost quite a bit of money from our experience mm-hmm. they'll go from anywhere from 35 000 to one hundred fifty thousand to put together an application if you're seeking consultant help next please um so trends that are being integrated in transportation funding um you know then the old emphasis of transportation funding we looked at congestion relief we looked at time saving expansion motorists and also uh pavement condition index but now it's kind of changed we're looking at land use Uh, for example under priority development area mtc is requiring for marine 50 percent has to go into a pda uh housing is creeping into transportation Funding, uh, GHG VTM reduction, equity, multimodalism, but you can see that the emphasis has quite changed from uh not that long ago, maybe 10, 10 years ago. Next, please. Um so TAM has a role, obviously, with the local funds to minister the measure A, a sales hats in the VRF, but we also have a role in at the regional state and federal level, uh, whether we get the money directly from the state and reprogram them or helping uh, local agency with application, with uh, uh, understanding what applications are, what trying to improve the application when they decide to submit. Um, but also we advocate on behalf of TAM's project and the projects of your uh, agency and try to position them well with any of the administrator that they apply for. And, and then with that, I next slide that concludes my presentation. Thank you very much, Dave. Questions from my fellow
0: commissioners?
12: Commissioner Rice.
3: Yeah, thank you. That was I love Transportation 101 <laughs> seminar. High level. Highlight of the meeting every time. Um, Just a, a question. Um, And I'm and looking at the last slide with regards to old emphasis and new emphasis. Um. How how might just generally um the funding streams inform our CTP?
23: CCP? C- C- or CTP? No,
6: that the the county
23: transportation plan.
6: Yeah, that's that's a great question. And there's definitely um kind of interaction both ways and it's an iterative process. I mean, we would want to establish the county's you know priorities and policies and emphasis areas based on a number of different things, you know, community input, um, resource availability, uh, basis in local plans, and at the same time, we also want to be able to deliver on those as investments for the future, right? So, at some point, those things need to come together in a way. But having said that, I mean, you you can see that things change over time with these funding programs, so you don't want to necessarily tie your vision too much just based on like what the current funding programs are because that is likely to change over time. So for projects that are maybe expected to be delivered more in the near term, you would probably look more closely at the available funding categories or grant programs. For projects that are you're expecting in 10, 20, 30 years, you probably want to have more of a visionary approach and not tie it as much to current grant program expectations. Okay.
3: Um, Yeah, and I think, and then also, given that, what, 60% now of our transportation funding is coming from our, from local sources, um, a lot of which is measure AA, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that also you all are thinking about the color of money in terms of flexibility and or uh, constraints and applying uh, and strategizing on where best to use our more discretionary dollars, which are our local dollars, I would think, uh, versus the versus the stuff coming down through the other, the shops, the tips, the whatever. I'm anyway. It's it's really interesting. Um, it it's I I think there is a correlation in terms of planning and thinking. So my last question though is, are we on the delinquent list?
23: There are some. Yeah. There not. Oh. for the most part, a marine agency has done fairly well, but there are obviously like what any county there's going to be some project that are on the delinquent list. There's no county that does not have project on that list. So when we get that list, we you know, we work with the local, uh, depending on what the project is, what the circumstances are, and we help them and try to get them to submit whatever is needed, so that they're not on the list.
0: Commissioner questions? Jennifer, public comment.
1: Yes, Clayton Smith,
12: please unmute. EVs are exceedingly heavy and their wear and tear on our roads needs to be compensated for. Vehicle miles traveled requires increased surveillance and a corresponding loss of privacy. It also raises questions of data access and security. The gas tax in California disproportionately affects lower income people and adds directly to the cost of all delivered goods. It adds to making California economically unattractive for business. What we have here is tax, 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 in order to spend, spend, spend on things that have no economic value. Currently, the federal government, which is at the margin paying for all this, is running a nearly $2 trillion deficit, which is fueling the current high, higher-than-expected ex- rates of inflation. This feeds back into the credit markets and is principally responsible for the heightened interest rates, again, disproportionately harmful to lower-income people, although people in finance are doing very well with it. Finally, the rise of the BRICS is an adverse relationship to the fall of the United States in economic significance globally. The deficits without tears, which we have enjoyed, is coming to an end, and we are going to need to be much more prudent in our spending, should we not end up in the condition of a gargantuan Argentina or Venezuela. This is very serious stuff. I would advise you actually get a little hip on economics and what's really going down globally. Thank you.
0: Jennifer, any additional public comment?
12: I don't see any additional hands
1: raised at this time.
0: Thanks. And, And I believe this is a discussion item only, right? Any closing comments from my fellow commissioners?
5: I'll just go super quick uh, I really appreciate the focus on on local funds and what that means I think it's a good time for us to to thank our voters for giving us measure a and then measure a uh, where we would be in a, with a, as a county without those funds um, you know not having 55 percent of our funds going to Marin transit losing 100 crossing guards um, I mean, the list goes on and on and on of all the things that is funded by that local measure so thank you to our voters for putting us in this position on behalf of our county.
0: Well spoken, Vice-Chair Lucan. Thank you very much, Dave. And with that, we are adjourned.